All right. 120. Yeah. 120. That was my bus number in elementary school. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Mine was 22. Mine was 23 later on. It was 120 and it turned to 23. So. Oh, oh, you're talking about elementary school. Elementary school, yeah. Oh, 72 and then 22. Oh. Yeah. They must have changed the numbering system or something. I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. Yeah. The fact that buses bring kids to and from school is a minor miracle. If you think about the logistics behind that. Yeah. And how absolutely chaotic that is. I never really thought about that. It's crazy. You don't have to think about it because it's not your job. Yeah, you're right. But But it's it's crazy. It's kind of horrifying. Fairfax County has so many buses. It's ridiculous. They have a million students. A million students in their school system. Just think about that. Northern Virginia is like its own country. It's, I was just up there yesterday. It really is a different like place. If you, go to, if you go to Northern Virginia and then you go to like Southwest Virginia, you'd swear you're in two different countries. Oh, for sure. It's like, there's no. You don't there, have to go to Southwest Virginia. You can go like an hour outside of Northern Virginia. Yeah. Like head west. And then you're basically in West Virginia. But like, it, I always, I always think it's so wild when I think about Europe. I'm like, man, it's so crazy. Like. You know, you could be in one country with a different culture and you can go right next to it and be in a completely different country with a different culture. But then I think about far southwest Virginia and then far north Virginia. Yeah. And I realize we've kind of got that. I think it's human nature. They even sound different. Yeah. (laughs) But what's actually pretty amazing is like it's the same currency, same language, more or less. You know, so it's like it's actually much more unified, even though it's entirely different. For sure. But anyway. You ready to do this? I am. I'm super ready. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Oh, crick my neck. Okay. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 120 of the Goulet Pencast. Nice round number for those of you that appreciate that. Uh, here is where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I'm Drew Brown. And we're here from Goulet Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Goulet Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about the pros and cons of soft nibs. I don't know what cons there are, but I made some up. Uh, We have better composition notebooks for fountain pens, question mark. Why we don't have filters on our site for fountain pen nib numbering like number five, number six, all that kind of stuff. Um, which Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that Drew here thinks will match up to different pens? Because you totally asked. Yes. I mean, in a way. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> comparing the Pilot Silvern to the Pilot E95S, the nibs specifically. And then we're going to be spotlighting the Pilot Justice 95 and talking about our long weekends that we had. So should be a fun one. And we'll start it off with some feedback. All right, Brian, this might look like a lot of feedback, and it is, but I gave yeah. it to myself because I didn't want you to do it. Um, you didn't want me to expound upon it? <laughs> you know, we won't get into why. Um, all right, so this is, we had, we often have, and here I am going to expand upon it. We you haven't often, even read it yet. We often And you're have, already expanding on it. Well, and I'm commenting on how you're expanding on it. Here's why I picked it. <laughs> because true to form, we have so many educated intelligent, smart, and witty people joining us every yeah, week we out there and in the comment section as well, oftentimes. And this was no exception. With your discussion about ink stickiness, how it adheres to the walls oh of the- uh, I hope I was right. <laughs> you Honestly, not bad. Like yeah? m- only good things. Okay. You know, it's a complicated okay. subject, but yes. we had various people with strong professional relevancy, relevance to it 
draw, uh, write in for some questions. So Wonderful. I wanted to share oh, yes, something please. from uh, Emacs uh, yeah. uh, five four four two. All right, um, and or Emma, Emma C. Emma is a chemistry student. Chemistry chemistry student here about dyes in inks. Mm-hmm. It's incorrect to say that adding more dye means there's less water in the ink. So I mentioned that. I said, well, hey, if it's really saturated, does that mean that the ratio is different? You know, less water to dye ratio. And Emma mm. is like, yeah, but dye being uh, dissolved, she says that they say that the dye molecules take up the spaces in between water molecules, what? which results in the volume staying the exact same. What? Emma goes on to say, this does not go for pigment inks, like, for example, platinum carbon black, as pigments right. do not dissolve in water, but rather in a form of suspension. So the pigments will displace the volume they, they can, of the water? Because they're solid. Right. But Emma says that legitimately dissolvable liquids like dye occupy the space in between water molecules. However, mm. uh, Leif Templeton writes in, who mm-hmm. is a process chemist. Oh, boy. And Leif says, I guess I'll put on the process chemist hat for a moment. This isn't always true in response to Emma. Dissolution of, say, ionic materials like salt usually cause some volume shrinkage. Mm. This is called negative excess volume. Conversely, dissolution of chunky organic molecules, such as many dyes, can cause positive excess volume. It's still not additive, though. You could get 50% additional raw dye volume and only get like 10 to 15% excess volume. Ideal solutions theoretically behave as you say, meaning they completely dissolve. But as you get weirder with what you're mixing or very close to saturation points, things get quirky. So what Leaf is saying essentially is, yes, in an ideal world using totally soluble like, elements, yeah. it will completely not affect, okay. you know. But he's saying that because it's ink it's and it's weird and who knows what the heck is in ink, right. it's lo- more likely that there's a slight amount of displacement but probably mm. not enough to be noticeable. Interesting. Very interesting. Well, if my memory serves me correctly, I mean, this is all very fascinating. Ultimately, it doesn't truly matter probably that much for what we were talking about, like how much water versus ink. Right. I think we were talking more like proportions. Like yeah, I was thinking maybe dye. it would dry out faster if there was less water. But they're right. saying essentially like, yeah, maybe, maybe not, but it's not enough to affect it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I imagine the, the the actual like amounts that we're talking about here are not measurable except yeah. with like hyper-specific scientific equipment. Yeah. yeah. And then our friend wow. uh, Dan Klopp uh, wrote in, who, uh, if you'll remember him from many, many pencasts ago, has that uh, wrote in with that astronaut glove. He's a... Uh, okay, okay. Um, he knows his stuff. And he's kind of like our um, textile correspondent. He always has love it. great information to share. Dan wrote in, said that he loved Brian's shallow dive into ink chemistry. Dan, it's surprising how you think that's shallow. I was sitting here, and it didn't feel shallow to me, but okay. <laughs> the piece of the puzzle that Brian mostly missed regarding ink clinging or okay. not to the inside of the bottle or inside of the pen is the surface energy of the bottle or what pen material. Different types of plastics, Brian, and even different formulations of plastics within the same family, e.g. acrylic, have different surface energies and will therefore change how ink clings. The surface energy phenomenon is not limited to plastics. Different types of glass have different properties also. Um, Ergo, borosilate glass versus fused silica glass. These properties of the ink container are on top of all of the ink properties, on all the properties of the ink, which Brian discussed. Oh boy. Proving that Brian's point 
It just too, too many, many variables. variables. Yes. Wow. What so is surface energy. I've never heard of surface energy. Uh, to is me, it like I think of like static electricity? To me, is that to me, it sounds. If I'm if I just wanted to like grasp and o try to oversimplify something with my ignorance, um, is maybe like texture, like how certain things will just, you know, at, at a microscopic level, glass is going to have a different texture than an ink vial, perhaps. I don't know. And then finally, Evan. It's a measure of how attracted a material's molecules are to each other okay, and so not to texture at all. other materials' molecules. It's a good measure of how easy or hard the surface may be to adhere. Okay. All right. And then finally, just to wrap wow. things up, Brian, Evan says, and we've got our fourth professional correspondent here of this week. As an engineer, Brian did well on his explanation of cohesion, adhesion, wetting, and surfactants. Yay. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. All things considered, for you jumping into an area you know nothing about, just doing your best, caveating. I know, I know enough to like tiptoe into that world, but then like I very quickly, right. I feel like I'm walking on a plank. Yeah. And if I like walk side to side or too far, I'm going to fall into the well, ocean I don't, and I die. don't think you did that. I don't think you did that. I think you stayed, <laughs> you, you well balanced yourself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And you didn't claim expertise on anything, which I think is also important. I definitely don't have expertise <laughs> on any of this. But, I know like enough of this stuff purely just from like the fountain pen ink like world. I, I love. I knew nothing outside of fountain pen ink. I love that those. we had two chemists in the comments discussing this. Like <laughs> that's awesome. Amazing. That's awesome. Amazing. Thank so you. yeah, Thank that you. was. Uh, I, I, I awesome. thought that it was such a unique aspect of our comment section that I wanted to highlight that this week. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm very glad. Thank you. I appreciate the validation and also the unintended validation of knowing how much more there is to learn that I'll never know. Yeah, I love around all this. Yeah. I don't mind being ignorant on some topics because I know that we have enough of an audience that we're going to get the right answer at yeah. some point. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I got some comments here too, Drew. Um, from left-handed clogger. Love the handle. Uh, I loved hearing about the malophores, which itself is a blend of metaphor and malapropism which is the use of an incorrect word or phrase that sounds close to the correct one, often resulting in nonsense or humor. There you go. We were discussing my wife's use of the curveball out of left field. Yes, exactly. She maintains that that is now an intentional <clears throat> thing, and curveball out of left field is even more unexpected than... That would be very unexpected. Right. Um, I did one while we were playing board games as a family last week, and I can't remember what it was, but if it comes back to me... I remember one time I, I said, it. open your eyes and smell the... Flowers or smell something. The smell the Open your eyes and smell the coffee. <laughs> yep. That's a good one. Those are, those are good around here. A lot of things in the Goulet quote book are malafores. Um, anyway, so left-handed clogger said, also, one of my favorite existing malafores is, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. I feel like you've said that before. Oh, I definitely. I usually say, oh, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. Yeah. You've, that's, yeah you definitely sure. do that. I've 100%. heard you say that yep. a number of times. Yep. I like that one. <laughs> instead of we'll cross that bridge when we get right. there and then burning a bridge. Yeah, you combine them. There you go. Love it. Um, all right. User VX6NE6LI4E. I think that's just a default YouTube thing if you don't have a. I I don't know. Account. It sounds pretty clever to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also sounds like it could be spam, but I don't think it's spam. All right. As a lover of both fountain pens and dip pens, I'd like to mention a choice for Inkwell. Happened, wait. Uh, mention a choice for Inkwell that happened to miss by you guys which has now been my best solution. Click the link here to find... No, I'm just kidding. Mm -hmm. um, the new release, Schaefer's Colorful Ink, 
features good quality bright color, a jam jar with big opening and a small glass pool in the bottle for you to collect the rest of the ink and refill or dip for pens. What is this? Schaefer's? So, do you remember the vintage bottle? You have one. I have a vintage Schaefer ink, which is like a glass bottle that has basically like a little cone kind of thing hanging off the side of the mouth of the bottle, which is... At some point, they made a modern version of that. Really? Yes, with a plastic lid. Like I've never heard of this. I Googled it. You can find them, but I they're not for sale currently. I don't huh. know. I, I reached out to... So it's to, like a newer vintage discontinued bottle maybe i really don't know i was hoping somebody out there would know um i'm trying to get some information from official channels but they really did bring that bottle back brian i was shocked because you have one of those bottles i thought it's a great bottle design a very clever bottle design i have no idea how old my bottle is it was given to me by somebody but the only versions of the ink bottle that i can find currently for sale in you in the u.s are those kind of classic you know bottles that we used to sell when we carried schaefer so um, but huh. the ones I'm talking about are like more narrow bottles. Um, I think it might be that one right there. Um, yeah, that's the bottle. So hmm. they're more narrow bottles uh, with a you know cap that's the same width as the bottle. So, but yeah. it has that same sort of glass lip to it. And I thought that was fascinating. And I it does look kind of a reboot of the OG. And I kind of want it to be available, but. I don't know anything about it. Is so, it still a thing? So you, user VX9LE, whatever, this person <laughs> has one, and oh. they refer to it as new. So I'm kind of at a loss. So I thought I wanted to mention that since you have one of these bottles, and I know that you appreciate that innovation, but um, yeah. I also wanted to kind of pose it to the audience to see if they know a little bit more about that than we do. Yeah. I mean, because it would be cool. I'm seeing them on like some people's sites, but most of them are out of stock. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's still maybe available it was like, or... Maybe it was like a limited thing. I don't know. I'll have to look into this. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. So I have one of these vintage bottles, but I don't have a cap. So I basically can't use it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, because those had metal caps, didn't they? I don't know. Oh, okay. Because I don't have a cap. <laughs> right. Why am I asking you? I think they had metal caps though. Yeah. Like the old school. Oh, yeah. I see it. I see it. Yeah. From like the... 40s, I guess. Well, there you go. Yeah. New information. Cool. Getting learned all kinds of things here. Um, all right. Last one I got is from Small Philosophies. Uh, this needs to go in the Goulet Hobonichi Techie collab someday in the quotes section. I don't like authority, even my own authority. Brian Goulet. Goulet pens. It's true. You did say that. I do. I make rules so I can break them. All these things. It's a problem. It's I don't problem know. I don't life. know enough about Hobonichi setups to know that there's a quote section, but I'm assuming that's normal. Yeah, we've looked into Hobonichi and been reaching out to them for the last ten years, but they only sell the brick and mortars. Yeah. So, so we have. I haven't been. We keep asking. I haven't been super incentivized to learn. I will one day. I think they have uh, Tomoe River paper. That's yeah. the main draw. They're nice. Yeah, they're yeah, very nice. They seem great. My son has one. Really? Yeah, he has a one piece. Obonichi. And uh, in fact, he can actually start using it now. He's had it for uh, over a month, so it's just been sitting around, but it's a 2024 thing, so I need, oh. to, I need to encourage him to... So yeah, he yeah. has one before I have one. Wow. It was a gift, but huh. yeah. There you go. He, he's got both of us. He, I don't have any yeah, I, I, I told him I'd remind him when he could use it. I forgot. <laughs> you just forgot. Well, yes. now you remembered. Uh, awesome. You okay. Cool. Well, that's it for feedback right now. Uh, let's get into new stuff. Well, I got two pens to talk to you about today. One of them is the Montegrappa Venetia Marshmallow. Mm. 
marshmallow. Um, it just marshmallow. It just seems like it should have an e. I don't know, but it's an a. There are a lot it's of weird. words in the English it's language like that February don't sound the way library they Wednesday. Look. Yeah, it's weird. English is weird. Um, this is a limited edition pen. So this is $445.50. Don't forget that 50 cents. Um, but it's cool. It's got ebonite feed, Yovo nib. It's a steel nib. So it's a bit on the pricey side for a steel nib pen. But the material is pretty cool. That marshmallow look. They've done some marshmallow materials before on mm-hmm. other pens. Um, and it looks They've cool. done the marshmallow. The m- <laughs> I like that. The marshmallow Elmo, but I call it the marshmallow. The marshmallow. I yeah. like that. I like that. Um, this is a U.S. exclusive. It's a cartridge converter, and you can get them right now. We have them available. Um, and then we also have the Twisby Diamond 580ALR Black. Now, this is a really cool-looking pen, mm-hmm. but I'm going to go ahead and just get it out there. It doesn't have a black nib. I know that that's Oh, I thought you were going to say you weren't going to get one. Oh, no, no. Oh, I'm definitely get one. I thought so. Okay. Oh, it, literally any Twisby that comes I was, in, I was about to be there. surprised. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, no, no. But it's like a matte black trim, but there's just a couple of chrome pieces on it that I know people are going to be like, oh, but it still looks really, really good. So it's a really tight looking pen. If you're into the clear and black thing, it's pretty cool, but it does not have a black nib. So it's got to get that out there. It would, I think it would look cooler if it did, but it's still a really cool pen. 65 bucks. Um, and it's going to be launching today, I think, right? Uh, um, as we release yes. this, right? So, Friday. Yeah. Go check it out. Pick one up for yourself. I think we're not getting a super great quantity in the first batch, if I'm not mistaken. We will have more. But if it does happen to sell out pretty quickly, don't be totally shocked. We will be getting more. But um, yeah. Anyway, I'm excited about that. It's I'll a really cool looking pen. Yeah. What you got, Drew? I've got some stuff. Um, we've got a bunch of new Pilot Hakuno. Pens, Ooh, we Brian. Do. And we do. that's not something that happens very often. No, you're I mean, a fan of the Kakuno. I love you, the Kakuno. You may have mentioned once or twice. Love it. Guess. It's like the best value of a fountain pen you can possibly get. It's pretty good. And these are translucent colors, mm-hmm. like five, I think. Yeah. So there's a blue one, and they're all 1430, same price as the other ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a blue one, but as we know, the Pilot Kakuno has some very, very cool nib designs. Yes. You've got a smiley face, a winky smiley face, and then a tongue smiley face. With these, you get even more smiley faces. So the blue has a mustachioed face with a necktie. That's mm-hmm. lovely. The coral one, um, the face has some eyelashes and a necklace, like a little string necklace. Mm-hmm. The aqua one is just kind of standard smile. And there's a pink one that has like a little bow and some eyelashes. Nice. And then there's a green one that's uh, supposed to be a baby with a pacifier in his mouth. So not to be a baby. I mean, it could be a grown man with a pacifier in their mouth. Never know. Absolutely. No, nothing stopping you. Let's go ahead and say it is a grown man with a pacifier in his mouth. That's what it's that not, pen is. Not weird at all. Not at all. <laughs> in fact, I want it more now. What did you call pacifier growing up? As a kid, because I feel like that's one of the things that like everybody's got different names for. I don't remember. I don't remember. I know that the way my mom got me to stop it because I think I was getting too old. She cut the tip off and said it broke. <laughs> so I was like, okay, no. I said, no, no worry, get a new one. But that was it. I think I forgot <laughs> yeah. about it after that. But yeah, hmm. she's like, snip. Oh no, it broke. <laughs> yeah, I think binky is one thing I hear, but I yeah. also hear that as like blanket too. Is like binky. I don't, I don't know. know. Uh, I called. We called ours a nook. A nook. A nook. And when that I was, was like a baby brand name. N U K, I think. 
Uh, maybe. Maybe. Anyway. I don't know. I don't no. know if it was brand name. Probably not. I didn't have like anything brand name. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I remember, because like I used to love it all the time until I was like probably a year and a half, something like that. I always put mine in upside down. And then I it had this like little ring, this like little plastic ring, kind of like that you could like move, you know what I mean? Like a handle yeah. sort of thing. I'd always flip it up so it was like touching my nose. You don't so remember I, this, do you? Like I a, mean, a year and a half. I was so no young, I didn't have any memory, but like all my like home videos and stuff, oh, you can you, see me walking it. around with it. Because it's like, it was kind of like a mouth shape, uh-huh. like a smiley face shape. And it's always upside down with the ring <laughs> on my nose. And it's so funny. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. All right. We had some with my kids, but we taught them to suck their thumb. Oh. Because we were like, that's something that they always have, and they can't drop it on the floor and get it dirty, and then we have to go chase it down. And Thumbs can get dirty. Yeah. We tried to pass her for like a week with Joseph, and like it would fall out like after five minutes of him laying down. And I was Archer like, never cared. I was like, this is not acceptable. He was not a pacifier kid. Yeah. No. Never never really. Just wasn't a thing for him. Never mm-hmm. needed it. All right. So it was great because we never needed to get him off of it. Yeah. Um, that's the risk with the thumb is you can't, you know. Just cut the tip off and say it broke. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Or at least you shouldn't. All right. Anyway. Um, next up, we've got a new Bennu hey. once again. This is a Euphoria model. Not one of our exclusive, crazy, fun, delicious ones you want to eat. But this one is in celebration of the Chinese New Year of 2024, mm-hmm. which happens to be the Year of the Dragon. So Bennu is coming out with a new Euphoria called the Draco Darling. And it is a red hand-painted pen, much like their special edition pens have been, like the two, like the Berry Merry Christmas one, mm-hmm. and then a couple They've done couple some song, songbird-themed ones as That's well. That's right. Yep. So this one's going to be one of those. It is pretty limited. Only 250 worldwide are going to be made. They are $280. But remember, that is a hand-painted pen. So 280 not a crazy price for what I don't it know is. how they do it. Because it's not like I don't think it's painted on the inside. I think no, I like, think it's painted on the outside and just lacquered outside? and lacquered. And then, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how they do it. It's wacky. I don't know. But you can't, you can't like feel it. It's not going to scratch off. Or no, anything. and it's and it's not like you can roll it on because it's a faceted pen. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure it's hand painted. Yeah, it has to. Like be. the fact they have 250 of them, I'm like, that's actually kind of a lot. Well, I was thinking it's not like you know there are some maquillers that are silk screened, right? So sure, you yeah. get you get how that can occur on a round pen, yeah, and be and be mass produced. It still mm-hmm. takes more work, so they can't make but so yeah. many of them, and they still do have to charge a premium. Mm-hmm. But you can't roll a silk screen onto a faceted pen. So this is there's I don't I can't think of a shortcut way to do this other than with a little tiny paintbrush. Like they might have a template of some kind, maybe that they could get on a, onto a faceted pen. But I don't know. It's not easy. But there it is. It's a cute little dragon. It's fun. It's very Banu, so check yeah. it out. Yeah. Cool. All right, that's it for new stuff right now, but you can always check out our coming soon section. You can check out our new arrivals on our website because we have all kinds of fun stuff happening there all the time. All right, question time. You ready to get into the questions, Drew? This is it. Yes, yeah, been waiting. Let's do it. Okay. Brian. Yes. Taib89 mm-hmm. asks us, what are the advantages slash disadvantages of writing with a soft nib? And what mm-hmm. are the advantages slash disadvantages of writing with a stiff nib? Mm. I have both of them, and they definitely feel different and are suitable for different purposes. Mm. Well. They definitely should feel different, so that's good. They should. Um, you know, since you're asking for pros and cons of two essentially conflicting things, I'm just going to roll it in to... Kind of one thing. So it's pretty much like I'm going to go, hey, soft nibs, 
what are the advantages and disadvantages? Because you can just flip them around for the hard nibs because whatever is a disadvantage for the soft nib will be an advantage for the hard nib, right? Like You much? would think, yeah. Okay. Um, well, first off, there's not a lot of companies that even really have soft nibs. No. That are, that's like a separate, you know, because you can get nibs that feel soft, but ones I'm talking ones that are like they offer regular nibs and they offer soft nibs. Mm-hmm. And it's two different nibs that they offer and they call one soft. Right. That's what we're talking about here. Um, pretty much Pilot, Platinum, and then Paniter has some, but, you know, like they're quill nib, but they call them all soft. Yeah. So I don't know that it's really a fits the definition here. Yeah, they actually call them hyperflex, which is yikes. Yeah, that was what they <laughs> called it. Um, but we have it on our site as soft, fine, soft. That medium. is a much better thing to say. I much agree. more accurate. But I mean, I guess you could call it soft, but I think for the purposes here, we'll stick with the pens that like have a soft and a not soft version because of there's, the same nibs. There's not a quill nib that is more rigid. There's no hard right. quill nib that I, I don't think there is, right? Because they've always had the same quill nib yeah. It's been the same. It's basically been the same thing ever since they came out. With I mean, they have a steel Pinter. nib, but yeah, it's different. Yeah, they did have a steel nib, didn't they? Yeah, but it wasn't the same at all. No, it no, it's a, it's a Bach nib. It's totally a totally different, different thing. Yeah. yeah. So now I never got, <clears throat> I don't think I got an answer in the comments about whether or not anybody has had or has had available a not soft Falcon nib. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Right. And I still, I don't, either I missed it or I didn't get anything, but. I still don't know if there exists a not soft falcon nib. You would think that there would be. You would think. But I don't know. I would think. I would think. We but would I don't think. know. Uh, anyway, even getting apart, we won't confuse things with falcons because that's a whole other thing. But you can literally get like a fine nib and a soft fine nib on something like the 743, the 912, the Platinum 3776. So that's kind of what we'll stick with. If you have the option to get the same pen, basically, and you want a hard nib or a soft nib, what's the difference? What are the advantages, disadvantages? Um, Well, the advantages, I think, for the soft nibs is that it's going to feel softer. That probably is a duh kind of a statement, but it will feel softer, meaning like it'll be bouncier, you know, as you're writing. Uh, You'll maybe feel, you know, the nib itself won't necessarily be ground any different, so there won't necessarily be any less friction um, so you could argue whether it's like toothier or smoother or anything like that. To me, it feels a little smoother, not because there's less friction, but just because, you know, it's, it's sort of like having suspension in your car. It's kind of like riding out some of the bumps a little bit. That's maybe. a good comparison. So like it feels softer, like feels easier to write with to me, you know, because I have a heavier hand too. So I'll feel that a little bit more. If you have a super light hand, maybe you won't even feel the difference very much. Um, so that's just one thing. I think it just feels you know, a little more luxurious maybe, Um, but that's a perception thing. Um, You may get some line variation on a soft nib, more so than a regular, not necessarily always definitively the case. I'm thinking, looking at you, Pilot E95S. Or looking at you, Platinum. Or Platinum. Yeah. Um, Well, yeah, Platinum, so their nibs are stiff. Like their their 14K nibs are stiff. Um, And their soft nibs... Less stiff. Not really. It's less stiff. Yeah. But pretty much in my mind, like the soft nib on the Platinum is like a regular Pilot nib. Their soft nib should be called less hard. <laughs> That's kind of what you're getting. Yeah. Um, hyper hard. That's what the Platinum nibs can feel like sometimes. Um, and again, some people, it's just a different feel. Some people like that. Some people don't. It's whatever. It's just kind of what how they do it. Um, so to me, I think I feel a little bit, I don't know, maybe more of a difference between a Platinum 
not soft and soft nib. Like it feels more dramatic to me. But with the Pilot, you definitely feel the softness of the softer nib, but only if you're like really kind of pushing on it. Mm. Does that make sense? Um, and then if you're trying to get an actual like line variation difference, you're not really gonna get that with the Platinum soft nibs, but with the Pilot ones, you can. Um, so like thinking about the Falcon, granted that's kind of its own thing, I can't compare it to a non-soft Falcon, uh, but if you have another pen, uh, you know, like uh, something like a 912, uh, and you're using a not soft and soft, um, you're gonna get a little bit of line variation on those softer ones. If you want if it. If you want it, yeah. yeah, if you're kind of going for that. But you're straddling a line there. You can push too hard, you can spring it, you can knock stuff out of alignment, because it's not a flex nib. It's not really made to be doing that a lot. But if you want to sign your name and make it look a little fancier, get a little bit of line variation, uh, it's easier to do that with soft nib. Um, so yeah, that's that's a lot of it. Um, disadvantages of soft nibs, they can be less forgiving maybe for heavy-handed folks. Um, so especially if you're writing kind of heavy-handed and you're keeping it kind of pressed down on the cross strokes, you know, if you're kind of like putting pressure on those tines, they're a little more bendy. So the cross strokes can feel a little scratchier even. So again, even just like kind of what I was saying earlier about how it can feel kind of softer and smoother, it can kind of have the opposite if you're kind of timing it wrong. So if you're like, you know, pressing harder on the cross strokes and lighter on the downstrokes, it can actually maybe feel a little bit worse. So for some people, the soft nibs take a little getting used to and are not like always gonna feel better. It kind of depends on your writing style. Um, and then, like I said, you can maybe miss a line or spring those tines if you're like pressing too hard on those soft nibs. Um, and that's honestly kind of most of what I had to say. It kind of ultimately comes down to what kind of writing feel that you want. Um, we don't, again, have a lot of different soft nib options. And when we do, they usually sell okay, but the people who are buying them are ones who know that that's kind of what they want. And everybody else is kind of on the fence and when they get them, it's kind of like they either don't notice a huge difference or they're kind of like, okay, cool, I've got this now. And it's not like I'm not going to buy any other pen unless it has a soft nib. You know, like I've got some and they're cool, but it, it's not like I won't use anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I as a heavier handed writer, yeah. do you prefer the feel of soft nibs to more stiff nibs? Generally speaking, yeah. Yeah. So just like as a whole, I will generally prefer Pilot nibs versus Platinum because as a whole, they're a little bit softer. Um, but that's me. Because I like them, but I don't like them for the feel. I like them for the slight flare that they can give with a little bit of pressure. But a, lo so a lot like of the like the line times, variation kind of aspect of it. I like it being there, but yeah. generally I don't press down hard enough to actually feel the softness because I've got mm. a pretty light hand. Yeah. So hmm. we probably find them appealing for different reasons. It sounds like it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But I mean, again, like I have some, I'm thinking specifically like of the platinum ones. Like there've been some limited edition ones. The Platinum doesn't always have soft nibs available. They might do a soft fine or a soft medium on like a limited edition 3776 every now and then. Uh, and that's mostly it. So I've gotten some because they've had that soft nib option. And I'm like, ooh, I know we're not gonna get many of those. Sorry, yeah. whoever wanted them, but I'm taking one of these. <laughs> uh, mostly so I can like experience it and kind of know what it is. Uh, and I do like them, they are springy. But also like it's, like it's on limited edition pens, so I don't like use it all the time. So I probably could spend a little more time with it and be like, a bit more informed about it but to me it, it's been like pleasant but it hasn't been like oh my gosh night and day it's a whole different nib it's like oh it's just a little springier 
So I like it. But if I didn't have that, then that's fine. I would still use the pen and be happy with it. So yeah, if you have the chance and you like the softer thing and you have a pen that you're debating one or the other and it has a soft nib option, try the soft nib. You might like it. You Especially if it's platinum. I won't hate it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that's what I got for that one. All right, Drew. Yeah. You ready? We're talking about notebooks now. Oh, boy. Paper, paper questions. Oh we haven't boy. taken as many of those recently. Which is why I added this one. Yeah. I was like, someone's asking Good. me about composition books. You know what? Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, like why that, not? That's fine. There's no reason to discriminate against composition notebook questions. No. They don't no, happen often. Let's do it then. If ever. Kate Will says, composition book options with better paper for fountain pens. Apparently, what I'm buying is no good. Apparently. I like the apparently. Like Somebody gave somebody Kate some sass. Somebody talked to Kate and been like, that's no good. And you're like, well, I think it's fine. I guess it's not acceptable to you. And to that, I would say, screw them. Who cares? If you're happy with it, use it. But there probably is better paper out there. Um, so I run around all day at work taking notes in a composition style notebook. My fountain pens don't work on them as the paper is not good. Oh, okay, well, there you so, go. Okay. So that's, so the, not a, that's the apparent It's not part. a judgy coworker. Right. It's, it's, it's the notebook itself. Chance. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are there options in all price points or is the only option the moleskin books? True. No, the only option is most definitely not, <laughs> not Moleskine. I will recommend to is you. How do you pronounce it? I don't even know, actually. I I hear it's all over the map. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I would not say that. I say moleskin. Moleskin. The Rodia composition book is literally a composition book that we sell here at the Goulet Pen Company, and it's thirteen dollars. So it's Rodia paper, eighty grams per square meter. It is nice paper. The page count is eighty sheets, which is twenty less than the average of one hundred, but it's a composition book made by one of the best paper manufacturers on the planet, Execlair. The paper so, will be good. Yes, the paper will be good. So we've got those in red and black. Believe it or not, I know it's Rhodia. Crazy, right? Orange and, and black. Orange and black. I said red and black. I said red and black. Not orange. Red and black is another notebook brand. Maybe that's where it crept in. Oh, I don't know. I just Black and red. Black and red. Sorry. Anyway. Oh, okay. I have a graveyard of notebook samples of things that I like, we'll see and in stores. You also have that one that has red in. lines. Yes. Is I've that, got all kinds of- Is that term? I don't remember. I don't remember. Either. I got all kinds of weird notebooks in my office. Yeah. Anyway. So the Rhodia is a great option, easy to find, and it's got that classic composition book look at the front too, even with that you know square that says composition book right in the middle. Uh, and I also learned that uh, B5 is more or less the composition notebook size. So oh, you can kind of okay. look for anything B5 and probably be pretty well set if uh, you're used to that form factor. My recommendation would be to get a Maruman Nemesini or Nemosine. Nemosine? I used to say Nemosine because that sounds more Greek to me, but I spoke to Maruman at the San Francisco show last year and they said mm. Nemosine. Nemosine. So okay. I'm going to say Nemosine. Okay. Or I'm not. I'm just going to screw up every time, which is more likely what's going to actually happen. So Maruman Nemosine, some of my favorite paper, my personal favorite paper brand that we carry, they have a wire-bound B5 notebook that also has 80 sheets, is also 80 GSM, like Rhodia, but is um, a little bit bit cheaper at uh, 860. So Mm. um, pretty much the same thing, but wire-bound. So it doesn't look quite as composition booky if you want that kind of look and vibe but it's cheaper and just as good so and i like wirebound maraman makes great stuff 
And then finally, the Apica 6A100, that one's only $9 and gives you 100 sheets. So 20 more sheets than the other two that I mentioned, and that one is $9. So overall, that one's probably the best value, but I still think that Maruman and Rhodia have better paper quality overall, but any of them are probably going to be better than what you're using now. And all three of these brands will very likely be better than anything you can get from Moleskin also. So, so. I'm looking, because I was like, how much do composition notebooks even cost anymore? Probably like $1.50. Um, they're a little more than that. I'm looking at Mead is mm-hmm. like That's classic. the classic one. Um, now I'm comparing college ruled because the Rodeo ones we have are seven millimeter mm-hmm. and that's more or less college ruling. Uh, $5 per notebook. So okay. it's not it's not like a dollar. You but know. but seriously, for eight sixty, getting a uh, Nemocine? Like, that's going to be like night and day. Yeah. Like the paper in a meat notebook is not going to that, be That is, yeah, going, going, you know, for less than double the price, you're going from something at bottom of the barrel with mead to something up at the very, very top with Maruman. So yeah. that is a great option for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, Rodia is fantastic as well. If you wanted that composition book look, Rodia gives it to you. Mm-hmm. And you can get a couple of them if you want. Yeah. So, yeah, worth a shot. That's my one cent plus another one cent. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome, Appreciate Brian. That. It's always good to talk about paper. Um, yeah. The thing I will say, I'll add my half a cent. Um, most of the paper brands that are offered in the U.S. might have some kind of hit or miss paper for fountain pens. Um, because basically, if you're talking like any major brand, they're not going to be like sourcing it all from like one place or making it all at one mill. You know, Rodian and Clairefontaine is incredibly consistent because it's all made in one place. Uh, and they have just have... In France. Yeah. So you're, you're paying, partly you're paying more for that consistency. Um, so I've definitely heard mixed things, Moleskin especially, because they are a huge brand and they source it from all over the place. I have used <clears throat> abysmal Moleskin and mm-hmm. I have used darn good Moleskin. Agreed. Yeah. It depends on the product line. It depends even within a given product line. They can source paper from different places. Yeah. I've even had people that have reached out to us and they've used Moleskins and stuff like that, that the paper quality changes mid notebook. Yes. You know, that's my thing. I found one. I'm like, Oh my God, maybe we can carry Moleskin. This is pretty mm-hmm. good. And then I've, and I like got another one and it was terrible. Yeah. No, like literally the same notebook. Yeah. Somebody said like the first oh, half oh, of it in was the good. same exact. Oh, I literally think you... the same oh. single product. The paper quality changed entirely oh, within the book. So yikes. It's I a little more saying, like the same model. Yeah. No, oh, it's literally the same, same book. So it's going to be much more hit or miss, but Moleskin, it's like a premium priced product. So to me, if you're looking at Moleskin, like look at Rodeo, look at Marmon. Yeah. And like, they're not, they're probably sense. not expecting people to put fountain pens in there. I don't know what they're expecting, but, but a company yeah. like, um, Execlair who makes, mm-hmm. you know, they make Quovatis, they make Exacompta, they make Clairefontaine, they make Rodeo. Mm-hmm. They are, then, you know, they also distribute fountain pen ink as well. So they are very mm-hmm. much thinking yeah. about fountain pens when these things sure. are made. Yep. yep. Which there are very, very, very few paper brands on the planet that consider fountain pens when they make their paper. Yeah. Most, most of them don't care. Definitely not in the U.S. No. More so in Europe and Japan. Yeah. Definitely not here. Which is why we import from those places. There you go. Cool. All right. Okay, number three. This is from Pumpkin Paper Pens. And mm. pardon me for my lack of pop Drew's, filter. Yeah, we need, we need feedback on this. If, yeah. if the pop filter, we wanted Drew to not have to be like staring into this black hole. It's very covering. obtrusive. Yeah. But, but, but Pumpkin Paper Pens is 
saying, we'll see, Drew. We'll see, <laughs> we'll see how it sounds. <laughs> we'll see how bad that filter how helps. Peas sound, yeah. All right, well, pumpkin paper pens uh, <laughs> says, why aren't the nib numbers listed in the items specifications? So mm-hmm. I don't know. We've talked recently about pilot nib numbering, but yes. this could also refer to like number five nib, number six nib. Yeah. What do you, how did you interpret this? Well, pilot is a number five and a number 10 and 15 and 30. And right. But you know what I mean? Like the actual, like yeah, the, just, the I, compatibility aspect versus. Yeah. So I read this question as like nib sizing, not nib grind, but nib sizing, like number five, number six, yeah. that Eight. kind of thing. Eight, yeah. yeah. So like, cause we do talk about that. Yeah. You know, two, five, six, eight. Yeah, there's a four in there. There's, you know. Oh, right. You get your, you get, so there's basically, here's the thing. So I, I, I imagine you're talking like in the tech specs or maybe like in our filters on our site or something like that. So if you're like, I want to see what all the number six nibs are. You, so you can like easily filter those out. Well, that would be great, except it's complicated because it's not standardized across different companies. So that's pretty annoying. And then also some companies don't even have number sizes like Lamy, Sailor, Platinum. They don't have any size. They're proprietary and they just do their own thing. They don't associate any size. Pilot has a numbering system, but it's only Pilot. And, you know, they have a number five nib and there's number five with Yobo and Bach, but they aren't pen makers. They're nib makers. And so they get used on other pens, but it's not always clear that they're used on other pens unless the pen maker says that they use a Bach or a Yovo. And then they say that it's a number five or number six, but then it's totally different numbering system than pilot. So are you going to, it's uh, confusing. I'm sorry if I'm skipping ahead, but did you mm-hmm. mention, are you going to mention Twisby at all? Cause that one's kind of weird. I can mention Twisby like, like, you well. know, cause, cause the VAC mm-hmm. is pretty close to a number six, if yeah. not number, but, but it's yeah, also, absolutely. but it's not, but it's not the same nib yeah so it kind of fits into a number six but it's not if you hold that next to like a stock number six nib they're not the same thing yeah so so that's the thing is there is no global standard yeah twisby doesn't call it a number six no they don't i think we used to do that more i think we did used to because it used to be a little more kind of interchangeable but and this has happened like this is the same thing with noodlers too so noodlers nibs used to be more interchangeable with like the you know standard number six like with the bach or yovo i believe between bach and yovo the numbers are pretty consistent yes you can pretty much swap those but then the thing is too schmidt yeah schmidt as well so the thing is too you can get pen companies i'm thinking like conklin monteverde so yovo makes their nibs but they are not the exact same as they they make them for Monteverdi and Conklin, they have their own dyes, they have their own, you know, kind of thing. Um, and so they are more or less a number six size. To the naked eye, size. they're number six nibs. But like the curvature is slightly different because they have to fit in different housings. So the thing is, if we were to do a like filter or more of a standardized kind of tech spec kind of a thing, it's more nuanced than what we can just easily put in like a drop down or a checkbox or something like that. And it would be sort of misleading as to perhaps the compatibility or the comparison. So it's, as I was thinking about this, I was like, you know, part of it, we don't really have that as a filter option because it's a lot to explain and we don't necessarily want to like be responsible for misleading that something might be compatible if it's actually not. But I'm like, but the alternative is it's just a confusing mess and nobody really knows what's going on anyway, which is not great either. 
So I don't really know what the answer is for this because it kind of just takes stumbling through an explanation like this. There's also the matter of the easiest thing to do would be to just say, hey, these spare nibs are number six and these are number five, which we do. We do. But there are a lot of companies that don't intend their pens to be swapped out with parts. And when you say, hey, this is a number five pen, it should fit other number five nibs, you're kind of encouraging people to do that. And Mm -hmm. as authorized retailers, we do our very best to respect the wishes of our vendors and manufacturers. So Mm -hmm. uh, that is something to consider as well. Yeah, it's kind of weird. So looking at our spare nibs, I'm trying to give you like as much information as I reasonably can here. Um, So if you look at our spare nibs that we have, replacement nibs, the Goulet, the Conklin, the Monteverde, Edison, Noodlers, Kaweco, they all say what number they are like in the product name. So that sort of helps. Um, and more or less, most of those can be somewhat interchangeable, but again, it's a little nuanced with Noodlers. It's a little nuanced with Conklin Monteverde, but I know with Goulet and Edison, those are Yovo. Those are the exact same. Those are the same. Yeah. Kaweco can use Yovo. They can also use Bach, but I believe they're, but they also, the Kaweco ones, they're sold as a whole unit. So it's like the nib and the feed and the housing and it just like screws in. I think we have the Kaweco number two. Edison's, yeah, that's true. The Edison's are also... But Edison uses the same housing that no, I was going to say that we have, but we don't have the housing. Right. But our nib will fit into an Edison housing. But the Koika ones I think that we have are only number two, I think, that we that we offer separately. I don't think we have a number Like the Supra and like the bigger Koika pens, they might have a number six nib. But, and I think you can, yeah, I think you can change those out because I've swapped a Goulet nib. I actually forgot we sold Kaweco nibs. I did too, until I looked it up to answer this question. How about that? Which is why it's good sometimes to like take a question like this because I'm like, what do we actually have on there? Because it is kind of confusing. But the spare nibs, they all all have those numbers. But then, you know, I imagine part of the intention behind this is like, you're going, you're looking at pens on our site. You know, you like a number six size approximately. Say it's even approximate. You're not trying to swap nibs out or anything. You just know you want a bigger nib. How do you filter for that? You can't. So that kind of stinks. But again, the thing is like, it's not standardized. So even if we said number six, it would literally be only the ones that are truly standard, like number six size, like Bakker Yovo. Yeah, but then how do you find out if your pen is a number six pen? Because we can't put that in the product description because not everybody's going to like that. Well, yeah. So it's complicated and I'm sorry. It's kind of a mess. We could, you know, add the filter and then just put a disclaimer like, hey, if this doesn't fit your pen, it's not our fault. But then most people don't read those. But we don't really, yeah, we don't really have any like texts on the filters. You know what I mean? Because the filters are just on the sidebar. So we can't really contextualize those filters at all. It has to be simple enough. Ah, it's a mess. I don't know. I'm open to ideas. If y'all have any bright ideas about how we could be clearer about this. Rachel works tirelessly (laughs) to make the website user-friendly. Like, like, I can't even begin to explain it because she's kind of just a one-woman machine back there (laughs) and, you know, is always open-minded and looking for suggestions and will absolutely do something if she thinks it can help people. So we're down. Yeah, to change anything, but we wanted to make sure that it's complicated. Uh, yeah. It's got to be a good idea. Um, kind of what I see is like maybe the solution to this. Again, whenever we get into something that's more complicated like this, maybe we could do a better job. I'm thinking like with a comprehensive like blog post or video or some other like resource 
that we could like link to on product pages maybe, you know, so it's not as convenient as having like a drop down filter tool type of thing, but we could at least explain this in simpler terms than we've been able to do here today uh, and maybe have some like pictures and some links to different products and stuff that would help guide you in the right direction. I don't know. That would take a lot of work to put that together. I don't know exactly how we do it, but I'm open to that. If y'all think it would be helpful, I don't know. We're open to ideas. Please leave us comments uh, because this is something that I, I really am like, yeah, this is hard and complicated and it would be great to make it simpler, but it's kind of like explaining all the ink properties that we have done before where it's like, there's a lot of factors. I'll also say that (laughs) it does seem like fewer people are swapping nibs these days. Yeah. Nib compatibility has shifted in, you know, the last five plus years. True. And just the amount of people saying, oh, I need a number six nib for my number six pen. That has definitely dropped. I think that- It's waned a bit, yeah. um, The compatibility options just aren't as- there as they used yeah. to be. So I'm curious too, you know, again, because we don't have much context with this specific question, but just for y'all in the, in the comments here, let us know, is something like this helpful for like nib swapping place purposes or like replacement purposes? Or is it more just like, you know, you like nibs that are bigger physically in size and you want to see other pens that are bizar- bigger physically in size? And is that the motivation? Because if that's the case, maybe we could find some if different way. If that's the way. case, you can look at the pen plaza. The Pen Plaza is a way to browse, but it's like you have to select yeah, you do. the model and stuff. So it's like even that is a little more complicated. You have to navigate away from the product page. Yeah. But I'm thinking even that, maybe we could like, there might be something like uh, content-wise that we could create that's like, hey, these are good pens that have smaller nibs, medium nibs, bigger nibs. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to learn more about that and think about it more. Well, I've so. got to, I, need to find, I need to find out a video option for in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We'll talk about that. You should explain all the intricacies of every nib across every brand. Sounds like uh, it'd be nice and meaty for you to grab on. That sounds like a Brian video. A Drew video would be like, medium, small, big. What you want? (laughs) You want a venti nib? You want a grande nib? Hey, that's not a bad idea. Going with the coffee (laughs) cup sizes? You might be onto something there. My, My simple brain sometimes... You know, I think, I think searches for for searches for simplicity in creative ways. Not everybody needs it overcomplicated. I certainly can't. I can't handle mess. it overcomplicated. All right, cool. All right, well, we'll think on that some more. All right, Drew, I got a question for you. Please, from Small Philosophies. Oh, hello again. Loved the Office as a fountain pen special. That was fun. So picking the characters and stuff. Yeah. That was fun. Can you do one for another show like dot 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 SpongeBob SquarePants or the Avengers Adventure Time Barbie versus Oppenheimer? Lots of options here. Uh, yes. I, I've wanted to do another one of these, and we have gotten a few requests. Yeah? Avengers has been mentioned. 30 okay. Rock. No, sorry. Parks and Rec has been mentioned. Parks and Rec. I could see um, that Someone one. asked me Chrono Trigger, which I would love to do, but nobody mm. would care. So <laughs> I, I just added this this morning because we were off yeah. yesterday. Right, right. And I didn't even get around to doing some uh, Friday afternoon, I think, was crazy for some reason. But mm-hmm. anyway. I just added it today. I wanted to go ahead and do something. So I just picked something that would be easy for me to do. So I will, I'll give you one and we can work on 30 rock another day. Yeah. Um, okay. And I could probably do Avengers as well, but today I'll, t- I'll go the easy route just so that I can give small philosophies, something to chew on. I'm going to do Ninja Turtles because I know my Ninja Turtles inside and out. And I was able to whip that one up pretty quick. Nice. And most people know the Ninja Turtles. And if you don't, then you, then know, you should, I'm sorry. What's wrong with you? So starting off with, the greatest of the Ninja Turtles, Leonardo. Oh, the greatest? Yes. I mean, he is blue, so he's got he's that going for him. He's, he's the best. the leader. So Leonardo. Which, which time period you're looking at. Yeah. 
usually the leader. Mm -hmm. uh, Leonardo is going to be the pilot custom 743. Hmm. Uh, because Leonardo is the leader, he encompasses a mastery of his craft. And I look at the 743 as more or less that. Like that, that is very easily a pen that you could choose and be like, you know what, this is all I need. It okay. does what it needs to do. It's going to work. It feels good in a variety of hand types. It's got a very easy to use cartridge converter system, mm -hmm. a phenomenal nib. Yeah. Like there's really nothing bad about that pen other than yeah. maybe the price point. If you know, there's that's nothing, not in your realm. Nothing silly going on with no, that pen. No, nothing silly. So Leonardo, yep. Leonardo is efficient. He is effective in all things. Um, and the mission comes first. With that pen, the mission comes first. You've got two colors, nothing crazy. Leonardo is a bit bland. You know, his he doesn't have a loud personality because he's focused on getting the job done mm -hmm. as best as he possibly can. And that and Pilot adopts that mentality sure. as well. Pilot is kind of a no-nonsense brand. Granted, we did talk about Kakunos with pacifiers in their mouth today, but that is that is an exception for sure. <laughs> Most of the time, Pilot is very rooted in its Japanese history, yes. as is Leonardo. Leonardo, mm -hmm. other than the rest of the turtles, embraces that tradition aspect of the martial arts more so mm -hmm. than his brothers do. He also maybe takes himself a little too seriously. Pilot is not known for coming out with any wacky, crazy colors usually. They're usually not a little really. bit more conservative design-wise because they're focused on the result, and Leonardo is focused in on the result. He is never mm -hmm. one to choose sizzle over steak. Yeah. He is always steak, never, no, no sizzle, no flash. Like, function get it done. Form, yeah. 100% function mm -hmm. reform. So, yeah. Leonardo is a custom 743 by Pilot. Okay. okay. The easiest one was Michelangelo because he's 100% a Bennu Fun. Euphoria. So, he's just <laughs> yeah. any Bennu altogether, but I specifically yeah. mentioned Euphoria because Euphoria, in it's, you know, the word Euphoria and the theme that Bennu uses for Euphoria, Euphoria is just to enjoy the simple pleasures in life, mm -hmm. you know, the delights. And Michelangelo definitely does that. He has a love for life. He is the life of the party wherever he goes. He's yeah. loud. Benu is loud. The mm -hmm. euphoria is loud. You do not find a subtle euphoria in the Benu line. You just don't see it. Some people may think that Michelangelo can be a bit much. Some people. Some people would Some say Benu can be a bit much. Absolutely, exactly. Not suitable for all circumstances. Maybe. Neither Benu nor Michelangelo take themselves too seriously. And they yeah. both, despite outward appearances do a fantastic job mm -hmm. you know on the outside it might look like they're goofy but when it comes down to it they are just as serious at getting the job done and finding those good results as the rest of their cohorts mm -hmm. and uh, it might be a little deceiving at first but you pay attention you will see the results and you'll see them taken seriously under the surface of the fun partiness nice uh Raphael, he is a sailor pro gear Raphael hmm. was difficult because hmm. I also I, I considered trying to find a brand that just didn't care what anybody else thought of it, hmm. which I was kind of like Twisby might be that. Hmm. You know, Twisby disrupts itself. It's hmm. a little bit more of a play by its own rules sort of brand. Mm -hmm. um, but a bit of the rogue, right? That's but sort of but Raphael's but then thing. I but then I really wanted to consider Leonardo and Raphael's relationship. Hmm. So I said Sailor because. Hmm of how they compare to Pilot, which is what Leonardo is. Okay. So Raphael is just as, as perhaps as good as Leonardo, mm. but by way of a different approach. And okay. someone, someone, some might say that about Sailor as it pertains to Pilot. Maybe just as good, but through not the same mm. approach. Okay. Um, less traditional than Pilot, mm. 
mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Like they certainly have yeah. their Japanese influence, but it doesn't completely define them in the way that it does with Pilot. Oh yeah, such as Leonardo and Raphael. Raphael is influenced more about the world around him. Mm. He's much more New York than Leonardo is because okay, he right. lives in the world. He he pays mm. attention to trends, which is why he's the only one with an accent, right? right. He lives in the world. Leonardo more so lives in the traditional world where okay. Master Splinter kind of raised him in. He likes okay. to stay traditional. Raphael, he gets it. He's just as effective, but he's he's going to branch out. He's going to listen to see what's going on. Yeah, Sailor just came out with Shimmer and Sheen inks recently. Mm-hmm. They are not afraid to take a risks. More, a little more on trend. Yeah, yeah they're a little mm-hmm. they're they're a little more of a wild card. Okay. okay. Um, and they are, frankly, they often find themselves in second place. Mm-hmm. You know, which is just a fact. Very popular, but pilot, pilots up there, and they they are consistently up there. But sailor is a little bit more scrappy, and mm. every now and then, they can make it to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so more hungry and more aggressive to succeed, I'd say. Yeah. Um, coming out with new stuff more often. Same thing with Raphael. Yeah. The uh, Pro Gear specifically I chose because it does come out in some wild and crazy colors. Mm. It's not, I don't think that comparable to the uh, 743 like Leonardo is. I'm not going to pick the King of Pens, even mm. though Raphael, you know, some in some iterations is a little bit more of a beefy turtle, but not, not in my versions. Um, so I thought that the Pro Gear has that nice, you know, more or less conservative profile mm. but the colors can be a little bit more on the pizzazzy side in contrast to pilot's yeah, offerings yeah. so a little wild but consistent in his performance which mm. sailor also is so yeah. sometimes they swing and miss with their designs but they always perform and that's what Raphael does you know sometimes yeah. he gets a little too loose takes a risk that doesn't pay off mm. but he's still going to get the job done so a sailor okay. and then every now and then He's gonna make the he's gonna take the right risk and he's mm-hmm. going to achieve greatness. Mm. But uh, you know, and that which, is which pro gear would that be for you, Drew? I wonder. Well, see, that's my thing. <laughs> my favorite pro gear are two pro gear slims, right. and Raphael's not a pro gear slim. No, no, he's he's, he's, whole size. he's yeah. a PG. Yeah, yeah, you betcha. Okay, and then finally Donatello. Uh, I, you know, I chose for this one to be. I didn't want to go with like a pen that just has some hokey gadgets. Because Donatello is a tech guy, but he, he's mm-hmm. he's a respectable tech guy. He's not just... He's more of like the engineer, the nerd, yeah, right? He's, he's not going to just create a silly invention that doesn't help anybody. No, he's not like Inspector Gadget that's like a goofy gadget right, kind of guy. Right, right. He, uh, he he's makes like helpful stuff. inventor type, yeah. So I think that Donatello would identify with and appreciate a shown design Pocket 6 fountain mm, pen. Yeah. So that pen is all about precision engineering. Mm-hmm. It is all about tight tolerances attention to detail, and Donatello is very much that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is often over-engineered for fun. Like, the feed doesn't need to be Ultim on the Monarch nib, but it is. Mm. The Monarch nib doesn't need to exist, but it does. And Donatello would do that. Donatello would think like that. He would take, hey, here's what we're going to do. We need to get from point A to point B, but let's do it with while I'm going to have fun. Mm. You know, he's going to think that way. And in a way... Donatello isn't the pocket six. In a way, Donatello, I think, is just Ian Schoen. So I'm having a hard time kind of like removing that. But Donatello would 100% own the pocket six and appreciate it. So oh, yeah. I kind of like, I'm a little bit more, um, you know, moving into that realm. Mm. But the uh, pocket six is uh, optimized with passion and nerdiness, yeah. I think, combined. And that is Donatello. Mm-hmm. That is what he does. Passion, nerdiness, boom, combining it into something that is helpful for his team. 
I think if any of the Ninja Turtles was going to be an avid fountain pen collector, it would be Donatello. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. The Leon- passionate nerd. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's my thing. Yeah. Leonardo's the Pilot Custom 7043. Michelangelo is the Bennu Euphoria. Uh-huh. Raphael is the Sailor Pro Gear. And Donatello is the Shown Pocket 6. It's a pretty solid list, Drew. Thank you. I didn't come up with one myself, but oh, well, no, I, I concur with all those. Yeah. I, you, I just came up with this like two hours ago. All right. Who is your favorite Ninja Turtle? Leonardo by far. Really? 100%. Okay. Yeah. He's he's like Rob. No, he, they need him. He keeps the he keeps the team together. Yeah. Always has. Yeah. And he's the most disciplined. He's also like the the Cyclops to Raphael's Leonardo mm. in a way. Like you you've got mm-hmm. the leader, but it's helpful to have that wild card that helps yeah. the leader maintain perspective and make sure he's not too much of a, you know, tight sort of personality, but mm-hmm. um no, Leonardo always always been my favorite. Hmm. 100%. Love it. Okay. Them. Cool. Easy. Awesome. What about you? Donatello? You know, I was literally just thinking about that the whole time you were talking. I was like, who is my favorite Ninja Turtle? Michelangelo? As a, as a kid, uh, it changed. Yeah. It kind of changed a bunch. It was never Raphael. No, you don't seem like a I Raphael I never liked person. Raphael very much. No. Uh, I feel like Leonardo, I liked him mainly because his color was blue. Yeah. So that, but as like a personality, I was just like, he's kind of too serious. So I was, I think, I mean, I tended to like the goofier characters of whatever given show, mm-hmm. like Animaniacs Wacko was yeah. my favorite. So and you're probably more of a Michelangelo then? I really liked Michelangelo a lot, but I also was, I loved the gadget stuff too. Mm-hmm. So Donatello. So I think between the two of those, these days I think it would be Donatello. Yeah. Yeah. I just appreciate that. But they're all pretty cool. You know. Fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, we'll work on another one for y'all if yeah. uh, you care about this, but um, yeah. yeah, I have fun with it. I... I will say I don't know whole franchises like that well to have like really informed answers. Like all the ones that were asked in the original question, like SpongeBob and Avengers and all this stuff, like I couldn't tell you what pens I they could, would be. Uh, yeah, I could I definitely do to, Avengers, but we can do we can do uh, Parks and Rec next time. Parks and Rec I could do. 30 Rock yeah. I could do. Probably Severance because I've seen it a bunch, but that's kind of obscure. I'm not sure anybody. Yeah, would. All, I don't. I think you might actually have a hard time with severance because like their personalities yeah. are not very definitive yeah that's true and also which personality yeah that would be kind of tough but maybe a challenge That'd be very tough i don't know but parks and rec would be fun yeah i feel like that we could do we could do that okay all right all right question number five from oh we've got a twofer Ooh. businessman 1912 actually let's go this let's go with rohan chatterjee hmm. rohan says um how much better or worse is the Pilot Silvern to the E95S? And mm. then Businessman 1912 says, The Pilot Silvern seems like a very unique and well-made pen, retailing mm-hmm. for quite a reasonable price considering what you're getting. Given the popularity of the E95S, I find it strange that this pen often flies under the radar. I therefore am led to believe that many people don't know of its existence, and if they do, only vaguely. Why is this? So we've got two. Yeah. Questions comparing the E95S to the silver. Two separate people ask two separate questions. Absolutely. So we had to hmm. address this. Well, I think you're right, businessman. Uh, I think the silver is not that well known. No. I think it flies under a lot of people's radar. And I don't exactly know why. Um, I mean, it is pricey, but to his point, there's... It's, it's, over fi- it's a little over $500, yeah. which is expensive. But it's sterling. But it's, yeah, but it's but it's really nice. Um, 18 karat nib on it. Uh, I actually don't have one personally, but I have the Pilot um, Sterling. I have the one that's the uh, Dragon. 
and it's got the same nib on it. So I'm familiar with the nib, uh, but we actually are out of stock of both of the models of silver at the moment. So I couldn't even like pull it and show it to you. Cause I was thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe for a good spotlight today, we could feature it a little bit. And I was like, no, we don't have any. And I'd show. be willing to bet it's not <laughs> because they're super popular. I'd be willing to bet because we just don't keep very many in stock. That could very well be. And I don't know how well they keep them stocked either, but. Um, so it's got the inlaid nib mm-hmm. on it. Um, bigger inlaid nib than what you have on the E95S. It definitely is. And it goes further I, back too. It does, yeah. So I grabbed on my E95S as well. Um, you can't really see them that close up, but the overall shape on the nib is similar. It's probably twice as much gold. Yeah, it's it's so that's that's part of it, is that it's a bigger nib. Yeah. 18 karat versus 14 karat, that's part of it too. Um, so part of the reason I brought it was so that you could just, because you're very familiar with the, the E95S, but so that you could like see how springy the 18 karat nib is. I don't have it inked at the moment, but I did bring some if you wanted to ink it. Um, but to me, so like the E95S is kind of known for being a little bit springy and you can get a little line variation on it. Um, and to my hand, it feels just as springy, maybe even a little bit springier. I would put them on the same level. Yeah? Yeah. I, I mean, think I think that the material is probably a little bit more springy, mm-hmm. but I think that because the E95S is a bit thinner, you get, I think it compensates for the amount of bounce. I think that if- Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe, I don't know, but it feels fantastic. They both feel really nice. It's a it's a really nice writing pen. Yeah. Like this, the nib. So it's really just on the silver and it's on the yeah, these Sterlings. And I'm trying to think what other pens. They've had these on, on a bunch of vintage pens as well. So I have a couple of vintage um, pilots that have that style of nib. I actually have this one. I, I can't remember what the name of this pen is actually. Shame on me. Um, this one's kind of interesting because it's got the inlay nib that's basically the size of the E95S, but it's an 18 karat nib. So I don't know what's going on with this one, but this is vintage. Um, I love that grid design. The grid is very cool. So one of the Silverns has this kind of grid mm-hmm. texture to it. Um, so they both look gorgeous. Um, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the Silverns, yeah. they are sterling, but I think they're coated, so they won't tarnish like these ones are. Like these I just brought out of my collection. They are silver and they're unfinished. So they kind of yellow up and look kind of gross. After, I after love this. I love it just the way it is. It reminds <laughs> me of like a DC Metro or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. But then like literally just a little jeweler's cloth, which we have our little Goulet cloth here, which the white side of it has like a bit of jeweler's rouge in it. It doesn't take a whole lot to get these silver pens looking shiny, but when you have like a polished up sterling pen, it's sort of like how you like the um, Monograppa nibs that are rhodium plated. They're mm-hmm. steel nibs, but they're rhodium plated. It just looks that little bit better. I think that's when you polish up the silver. I think that's how it looks. Yeah. It just like pops more than just like a chrome pen or something yeah. like that. It just looks a little different. It's more of a rich shine. Yeah. Um, so to me, I think the nibs are at least comparable. Definitely. Um, again, I have a little heavier hand, so I feel like the 18 karat is maybe a little bit springier, but probably, probably right. it's probably in effect, it's gonna be a similar writing experience. So I would say if that's the case and you like the the uh, E95S, you probably would also very much like the silver. Um, it's now, heavier, definitely heavier. That's the thing, that's the biggest, maybe, maybe it's a drawback, maybe it's a benefit, I don't know. Uh, but the silver weighs about twice what the E95S does. The E95S is a pretty light pen, it's 17 grams. You know, that's like a Lamy Safari. 
it's pretty light. Uh, so the the silver in is 34 grams. Ooh. So in my opinion, anytime you get above 30 grams, you're getting into like heavy pen territory. Yeah. It weighs about what a pilot metal falcon does. This is interesting because this dragon that you have, which mm -hmm. isn't a sterling, um, or is a sterling, but not a silver, mm -hmm. um, actually has a legit snap cap. Yeah. Which is not something pilot often does. They don't often do that. Yeah. So like not, not, they've got the, uh, not on gold nib pens anyway. Right. And that's, I think the silverns are the same way because it's basically the same kind of format. That's why I brought this pen. Um, so it's kind of interesting though, because it's, it's not just a snap cap. It still has the, the metal bands in there. Like the E95S does. You feel it. When so you it's post, like kind though. of a softer kind of close. Yeah, it definitely Posts holds on better, nice, better with the post. It posts deep, yeah, and you don't feel like you're like scratching up the metal or anything like that. That's a really that. nice pen. Yeah, but then you know, so it has sort of like a little bit of the softness of the as the bands are kind of grabbing onto the material, but then it snaps very firmly in place. Um, so I really like it. Yeah, as a, as an owner and lover of the E95s, I would absolutely save up for and be certainly pleased with a silver. Yeah, I think I think. You know, again, similar writing experience. So just dollar for dollar, the E95S is going to be more popular because it's more accessible. Um, most people don't like heavier pens as a whole. Anytime you get over 30 grams, I think you're you're decreasing, you know, how much people are going to want those necessarily. Um, but that said, it's not a huge pen. So I think it would be comfortable in most people's hands. And if you have smaller hands, you don't have to cap it. Like it's long enough, even in my big hand, it's long enough for me to use it on capped. So I think that it would be comfortable enough to use. And then I didn't look up what the body weight is on it alone, but it's going to be less than with the cap, obviously. Um, and I think that would be comfortable for most people. The uh, grip is resin as well, um, which you would think like maybe makes the back of the pen like weigh a lot, but it's not that bad. It's actually pretty well balanced. You know, when you put the cap on it, it's a, maybe a slightly back weighted, but because it posts so deep, it doesn't throw it off too bad. Yes. Sometimes if you have a pen that's got like a resin grip and then a metal body, you can feel like the thing's like trying to have an arm wrestling contest with you, you know, pulling your hand back. But um, this one's pretty well balanced. So it's a great pen. I think it flies under most people's radar, but it absolutely deserves some love. They also look really nice, a couple different designs. Um, so it's definitely worth a look. And yeah, I'm curious if anybody has any of these pens, uh, any Silverns or any of the Sterlings for that matter, because it's the same nib. Um, yeah, post in the comments, let people know what you think, because I think people should talk about them more because they're great pens. Agreed. All right. So you can email us at pencast.gulaypens.com, especially if you're an audio listener. Excuse me. Ooh, burping. Um, and uh, that's it for Q&A this week. And then uh, we have a pen spotlight, Drew, on the Justice 95. This will be fun. All right, here we go. The Just Us. All right, Just Us 95. And Drew, a special treat for you and our Pencast audience. Why do you have that sticker still on there? You know, I wanted it to be authentic. Ugh. <laughs> I have very few pilot stickers left on any of my pens, but I pulled this one out of my cabinet and I was like, oh, look at that. That's upsetting. People are going to love that. That's upsetting. My pristine right. sticker on the pen. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about this clip, though, because... Yeah, it's like a Namiki-shaped clip, right? Right. That sword. But... The laser etching yeah. is not on any other pilot pen that I know of. You know, it's got its own thing going on. It's like the Raphael of the it's pilot wild, collection. Wild card, loose Doing cannon. its own thing. Yep. Um, so nice looking pen overall. Flat top, which I know you appreciate, Drew. I do. Um, it's a pretty good size pen. And I see we've got some texture here too. 
we do have some texture. It's very, very small lines, which you can feel, but it's not bothersome at all to mm. me. And maybe if you're like really, really sensitive to it, you wouldn't like it, but it's 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 so subtle. Um, but it's just enough to kind of see, like look a little bit like, yeah. hey, there's some texture there. Um, center band says Pilot Japan Justice 95. Um, I don't know if it has a different name anywhere else. It might just be Justice 95. I don't know that. It, That's a good question. Because it's a newer pen, newer. It came out within the last decade. Uh, we remember when this pen came out because we were in existence. Um, I'm going to unscrew it from the body because that is the only thing that feels natural. Hmm. Um, so this is what is weird about this pen. Very unique. It's the only pen I know that has this functionality. And this is what makes it uh, so special. So we were talking about soft nibs earlier in this episode. And this nib is both. Wait, what? So it's a hard, it's an adjustable softness nib, which is why I thought it would be kind of appropriate to talk about it here with all the talk. So um, right now I have it in hard mode, which, you know, it's got a little H and an S on here. So if you turn it to the H mode, which I've got it on right now, you've basically got this bar that goes out over top of the nib that gives it, you know, resistance, gives it pressure, so the nib will not basically flex out. And uh, it will remain hard. If you take and you twist this, that bar retracts into the grip. Not fully, but <laughs> got a little ink on my thumb. Oh my gosh, looks like I'm bleeding blue. Um, there, nice inky fingers. So if you retract it all the way, then you get a soft nib. So I guess technically it is a soft nib, but the bar keeps, prohibits it prohibits from being its soft. softness. It hardens it up. Um, it's a very interesting, so, and you can have like sort of in between if you want sort of a half soft, half yeah. hard. Um, so I figured, you know, I just inked it up obviously because I have ink all over my fingers. I didn't like, <laughs> I didn't actually start writing with it. So this is like, Oh, a, so it's freshly dipped. A freshly inked, so totally saturated feed. <laughs> Normally it does not burp like that, but you know, also part of it, when, when you first fill it, like you're gonna have ink like up under that bar and oh, stuff yeah. like that. So it's gonna be pretty wet. Um, so I thought, you know, why not take this thing for a test drive? Um, I can just, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly big pen, but it's not huge. I would consider it more of like a mid-size pen. It's about like a pro gear size. Um, and it's 27 grams overall weight wise. So that's pretty reasonable. Uh, this one it ha comes with a Con 70 converter, which is the best, uh, but you can use any of the Pilot converters or cartridges with it. It's the and, best uh, if you like a refillable ink cartridge with extra cleaning area. There you go. Um, so I don't really know what I'm going to write, but I'll just go How about I start talking so that you can write there you go. something because Brian and I mm -hmm. both have a very difficult time talking while writing. So mm -hmm. what that bar is essentially doing is just stopping movement. So this pen performs a function by limiting a function. So it is a flexible nib with a bouncy, bouncy feel to it. Mm -hmm. But with that bar there, it basically just says like, nope, you can't go anywhere. It's like a seatbelt, just keeping it in place. So uh, as I'm giving it a little bit of pressure, I am getting some line variation. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like the bar extended and retracted does not create a massive difference. It's yeah. noticeable, but not very. I mean, it's a soft nib either way. And just because that bar is out doesn't mean it won't flex at all. It will just flex slightly less easily. But the nib, it's just a bouncy nib. So, I mean, there's no stopping that. You can't stop the metal from being flexible. 
But both versions are certainly flexible, are both more flexible than most of Pilot's other nibs. Maybe not a uh, Pilot Falcon or an FA, but it's right up there. And retracted, it's, you know, it's right up there even more, I guess. But it's definitely not comparable to a Falcon nib, but it shouldn't be. No. Um, It's probably more comparable to like an E95S. Um, But yeah, the difference in the line width writing it on the page is not that significant between the hard and the soft mode. It's mostly in the feel. Uh, And I would say like, if you're comparing a pilot regular gold nib, that's about what it feels like when it's in hard mode. And when you put it in soft mode, it feels about like a pilot soft nib. Well, that's a very good distinction. And I think Mm -hmm. a distinction that often gets overlooked when people are considering soft versus hard nibs, they think that soft means flex or soft means movement or line variation. And a lot of times it doesn't. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times it doesn't. A lot of times it just is soft. And I feel like Paniter is kind of like that. Another hard P for y'all, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Their quill nib is a very bendy nib but it doesn't create a ton of line variation. I think it's an incredibly comfortable nib and I really love it. But for whatever reason, even though it's bending, it's just bending up and down. It's not really bending apart. Like the tines on certain nibs, it's possible for tines to just go up and not necessarily as out. I mean, they're going to go out because you're separating them on your downstroke. Like that's just gonna happen. But I do feel like some can bend without splaying as much. And that just results in a more comfortable experience. And I think that's what the Justice 95 is going for. As as Brian said, it's a more tactile, more comfortable goal rather than a goal Mm -hmm. of different writing. Yeah. Now this pen's slightly over $300. So is it fully worth it for that price? For most people, you're not going to like be switching this thing back between hard and soft all the time. I think it's basically like if you're not quite sure whether you like hard or soft, you can just kind of fine tune it, find your sweet spot, and then you're pretty much just going to leave it there. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting pen. It Conversation an, piece for sure. Yeah. It's an interesting nib. You can sort of dial it in a little bit. Uh, it's mostly in how it's going to feel to you more so than how it looks on paper. Um, but it's a it's a good build quality. It's a great writing pen. The balance is really nice. You can use it capped or uncapped. It's comfortable either way. So I think if you're a pilot fan and you're just looking for something interesting within their lineup, I think the Justice is worth consideration, but it's not going to be the pen that's going to be for everybody. Um, But I enjoy mine, and uh, I think you would enjoy yours too if you find these things appealing. Cool. I got so much ink on my fingers now. (laughs) (laughs) That really just like made a huge mess. Okay, cool. I feel like inking, inking pens in here always tends to go wrong. It's like because it's just a different yeah. setup. It's not your usual it's Murphy, habitat. It's Murphy's law. It's yeah. just because it's on camera. It's going to be like the most dramatic also scenario. That. But also that for sure. Cool. Well, Drew, we're now in the nonsense portion, the most nonsense portion. Yes. Of the, the, the thing. So, uh, what's been going on for you for the last week? Um. Well, I started my new book. I mentioned a while ago oh. that I bought Stephen King's eleven twenty two sixty three, which is the day John F. Kennedy was shot and killed. Oh, okay. um, and it's been sitting around. So I bought mm-hmm. my mom the same book for Christmas. Oh. And because she, she's just been, been a reading machine in the really? last couple of years. She's okay. just, 
you know, more or less, you know, her life has not been full of hobbies, but for whatever reason, she has been a reading fool. She's All been right. going to the library, just reading and reading and reading and reading. So it's worst things you could do with your yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I went ahead and bought her this and hmm. and I thought, because I mean, this book, despite being a relatively new Stephen King book compared to like his entire, you know, bibliography, yeah. um, has been consistently up in like top 10, top five lists. So I know it's good. So hmm. I bought her that, thought, you know what? I'll have some accountability now. Now that she's reading it, I'll be able to talk to her about it. Be like, hey, what'd you think about this part? I have gotten through the first chapter this weekend mm-hmm. and she's done with it already. Oh like, my gosh. In six days. And she's Whoa. like, and she was like, oh my God, it took me six days. I was like, what? So. Wow. Yeah. Um, so she's already done and That's, I just got through the first chapter. How so. thick is this book? I think of Stephen King oh, books as being it's, very it's thick. It's, it's, I think, you know, between eight and 900 pages. Oh, that sounds so. terrible. <laughs> I don't ever want to read a 900 page book. I've I've read Stephen King's The Stand, which is longer. I started that one. That one, I feel like if I can get through that one, I can get through this one. Wow. Now that that's the longest paper book I've ever read. Mm. I'm, I might've read a longer physical, I mean, a, a longer audio book. I don't know, but oh, okay. um, that was the, the thickest you know, paperback I've ever wow. gone through. And it took me like a year. <laughs> well. So, um, now granted I didn't read very often, but still. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's a thing. I'll be okay. making my way through that. It's, it's seeming like a Stephen King book, something that starts off normal and then just gets weird. Is it so, like a historical fiction? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There believe there seems to be a time travel element already. Oh, so, right. yep. Okay. They thrust you into that pretty quickly. So, Cool. Classic Stephen King. Stephen King's a uh, fountain pen user, right? Like, isn't he kind of known to write with a fountain pen? I, I don't believe, know. I believe so. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so that's cool. I like Stephen King. I'm sure I'll like this one. Okay. Um, speaking of books, I actually bought a new comic book. Did you? I did. I bought a graphic wow. novel, Teen Titans. Okay. Which is not a, uh, I've always been a DC reader when it comes to comic books. And Teen okay. Titans is not a book I've ever read. Hmm. Um, I won't say ever. I bought a couple um in like the early 2000s, a couple a couple of graphic novels. But this one I bought, this one's from the 90s, I think. So like, oh, you know, old, okay. old old school art. Yeah. Um, Marv Wolfman and uh, George Perez. Um, so pretty iconic comic artists there and writers. And so this was called The Judas Contract. I don't know anything about it other than that it is widely regarded to be like the the best Teen Titans book out there. So okay. Teen Titans is a cyborg, Beast Boy, Nightwing, Raven, Starfire, and Wonder Girl. Like it's like a group of sidekicks. Like all the superhero okay. sidekicks kind of got together and made a I was gonna say, made a super like group. A, isn't there a TV show or something? There, there's or? like a w, WB channel show or whatever. Okay. I don't know. Is it like Teen Titans Go? Is that oh, that's the thing? cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon. Okay. Yeah, there's been a Teen Titans cartoon and then Teen Titans Go, which is just like a sillier version of the same cartoon. Okay. But my son loves that. But it's like a. It's like is that part of the same like canon, the same kind of franchise, or is it just like a? Uh, th- nothing's canon. Oh no, this is okay. com- comic canon and TV show canon. Like there's a live action show too, I think. Oh okay. Um, which I've never seen. It doesn't look superhero TV shows like, unless they're from. Disney, like generally just, I don't mess with, they seem to Even be. Even from Disney, they're You know, they all look great. like Smallville. Remember that show? Yeah. Like they all look like that. Yeah. And it's like- Smallville was okay. It was okay, but it still looked like a TV show. Yeah. Like the effects were, you know. Yeah. They, they're just not. If you're a diehard fan, then fantastic. Sure. But, you know, yeah. 
Anyway, <laughs> that'll be showing up, and I've been rereading some uh, some Batman books too because I finished my Batman video game, Gotham Knights, and oh, that nice. contained a storyline called the Court of Owls, which was a part of a storyline that I had comics of. So that kind of like got me wanting to reread those. So I've been mm-hmm. jumping back into that, which is a fun read. It's like a secret society that's like secretly controlling Gotham from the shadows. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's been nice. Uh, finished Batman, started another Spider-Man game because I bought the PS5, right? And that came with Spider-Man 2. Yeah. But of course, then I decided that two games preceded Spider-Man 2, so I have to go play those. <laughs> so now I'm in the second game before I can finally play Spider-Man 2. Oh, you haven't even played it yet? No, no. Because I need oh. to know the storyline, Brian. I can't just jump into Spider-Man 2. You can like read about it and like... You know. No, I can't, Brian. I get it. It's an experience. Can't do it. that. I get it. I get it. So, been working on that, and it's just been delight. Like they, they are, they have made that game so good. Like if you're swinging and like you hit a building, you don't just kind of like stop. Yeah. You know, the game's design is so flowy and natural. Like yeah. your guy will transition appropriately to do something cool, Spider-Man-y stuff. Right. So that you don't look like an idiot when you're floating around and. I just love that because no matter what you do, you know, you, Spider-Man looks like he's being Spider-Man. Yeah, he doesn't like look like some thing. inept buffoon, even though you very well may be. Yeah. And <laughs> I appreciate that because yeah. sometimes I am just that. Yeah. It takes you out of the element when you're like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, come on, Spider-Man wouldn't hit a wall like that. Yeah. I would, but I'm supposed to be Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been fantastic. The voice acting is really good. And That's cool. Like, I just like, there's all these like little side missions where you just like, oh, look, save ambulance EMT guy from a carjacker. Mm-hmm. And the little NPC dude, rather than just being like making general hand movements, you know, oh, that could apply to anything. Mm-hmm. He'll actually like gesture to what he's saying. Like, oh yeah, back here I was, and he'll take his thumb and like position back. Wow. I'm like, oh, That's okay. Cool. That's okay. cool. So they really did a great job wow. with attention to detail in that game. And I respect that. Yeah. Not having a, well, okay, I guess we have a Switch, but like not having myself really played a system since the Xbox 360 and even that not very much. Yeah. I'm like very out of the loop of like what modern video games are like. And it like I mean, kind of blows my mind. Yeah, that's pretty like, impressive, right? Yeah, like that is impressive. I haven't seen that before. So even yeah. with other modern games, okay. you know, you generally see like if you see a rando EMT dude that you just saved, like he's going to do some rando NPC hand motions. But yeah, when he pointed to, he was like, yeah, back there. And he gestured back there. I'm like, whoa, you mean like for real back there? Like, okay. Nice. I will say one of the more entertaining things that my kids do is they will just walk around like NPCs. Yeah, Archer has an NPC wave that he likes to do. Yes. It's, it's, Joseph uh, in particular is really good at it. Nice. It's pretty hilarious. Because he'll like, just like bust it out, especially if like Ellie's involved in something or she has a friend over or whatever. And there's like a lot of activity going on. He'll just like go into NPC mode and sort of just like be around and then you, he'll just kind of wait for other people to notice. So does he want attention? He's just an NPC. I think it's just because he's kind of bored and doesn't really know what to do. So he like switches into NPC mode, and it's hilarious. So if if someone if someone does know, because I know not everybody's a gamer, NPC means non-playable character or non-player character. It's just a term that is used for the inhabitants of the world, the like gen- general yeah. townspeople or, you know, yeah, yeah that, that are just kind of like go on they're programmed generally like very few basic. Actions. So they're usually kind of standing and they're just kind of like going yeah. back and forth like this and mm-hmm. they'll like stop and like wave. Yeah. And then like just go back very to... very generic gestures. <laughs> yeah, so. it's pretty funny. 
All right. And then, uh, yeah, Shannon had her shows. That was like the big thing this weekend. Yeah. She had a show on Friday, had a show on Saturday. So I went to both of those, dropped Archer off for a sleepover event on Friday. So nice. didn't have him on Friday, but uh, I attended both shows and both went excellently well. She almost awesome. sold out both appearances. Oh, that's awesome. So she getting paid, which is great. Sweet. She's funding our entire trip to Disney with uh, – um, performance money this year. Wow, like that's she, awesome. I know it's Good for just. Her. I tell you, it's been fantastic. She's gifting that to me and Archer wow, for all the hard really work cool. she's done throughout the that's last really 365 cool. days. So that's been marvelous, and uh, she did a great job despite not like having anything scripted. She had every song kind of had a meaning to her, and she kind of explained why the song was important to her and her journey. It was themed around how she went to the Governor's School for the Arts in Virginia Beach. And dropped out because she was not very supported. She had an instructor that was very, mm. that didn't quite, you know, inspire her, encourage. So she mm. felt bad about it, dropped out, didn't feel like she was destined for that. But then mm. found her own way back yeah. to the stage through community and volunteer theater. Yeah. So it was kind of a love letter to that transition. Mm. Um, and that whole thing turned into her figuring out that she does a really good Patsy Cline. So she's saying Patsy Cline, really you know. Does you know, half dozen times professionally. She's singing Patsy Cline with the Richmond Symphony um, this month. And through that, she kind of found her way back here. But the last song she did was this amazing song called They Don't Let You in the Opera If You're a Country Star. And she was at Governor School of the Arts for opera. And that's what she wanted to do. But then she found her way back to the stage through happenstance singing Patsy Cline, which she's not in love with that. It just happened to be something that she you know, was yeah. good at. So that song was about a country singer who wanted to be an opera singer, but she moved to Tennessee and just started singing country and then couldn't get into the opera after that because they're like, no, you obviously, you're not suitable. But it's a comedic song. Huh. And it goes that like, I don't know, it's, if you want to listen to it, listen to it because I'm not, it's a funny thing. But it, the way the song goes, it has a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. And she gets to do opera she gets to sing country she gets to do a snooty <laughs> british accent in the middle of it awesome. it was hilarious and it just wrapped up everything marvelously and i hadn't heard it until the show oh wow and she just killed it she had everybody in stitches it was marvelous so that's awesome so so very proud of her she was just wow. marvelous and uh her um frequent director um amy uh who directs a lot of her volunteer theater projects came with her sister, who's a, just a huge fan of hers, and they had a sign made up of her head um, with on a stick. That's awesome. And was waving it around <laughs> halfway through the performance, and so that got a couple <laughs> chuckles out of her, obviously. But, uh, no, it was a really nice time. Both nights, you know, she killed it, and uh, she was just very comfortable and at ease, which is something I can't comprehend because me up there would be just yeah. silent and nervous, and mm. I'd get sick and run away. So... But uh, wow. you know, hey, that that's us. We're that's awesome. We get different different things out of that. That's cool. So that was great, and uh, and then it snowed uh, it last did. night. Yeah, and uh, we woke up this morning, and everything was white. And I found out that my dog Hank, who's normally just a lazy pile of nothing, mm-hmm. loves the snow. Like he was Wait, running around. Doesn't Hank hate the rain? He hates the rain. Like won't be outside. In won't the rain, be outside. But loves the snow. Loves the snow. He was just like he was doing the whole like <laughs> like like. Dog that can't decide what to do, kind of like golden retrievers always do, you know? Yeah, yeah. He was doing that, like, out in the snow. I'm like, this thing wakes up after having been, been in the crate all night. We'll get out of the crate, go over to his bed, and sleep some more. <laughs> like, that's Hank. Wow. And okay. yet he's go outside 
just running circles around my raised bed huh. um, with Felix, his son, um, just going nuts. So that was hilarious. Didn't didn't expect to see that. Yeah. So while all that's going, Archer is just wanting to eat snow, just just eating snow, just yeah. munching on it like it's food. Yeah, he just thinks that's the best thing in the world. And mm. he brought it in, wanted to put it in a bowl <laughs> and just eat it. I was like, "Do you want some stuff to put on it?" And he's like, "Yeah." So I brought him a bunch of crap to put on it, some sprinkles, some chocolate stuff, and he covered it in all manner of accoutrement and. Then he got promptly disgusted when it started to melt, and he was left with like water and chocolate and like ooze. And, yeah. yeah, and he's just like, he went and spit something out and dumped it. I was like, I mean, Archer, it's just water. It's because I asked him like, do you want to like mix in some milk maybe? And he's like, no, that's gross. I was like, okay. All right. <laughs> then he's left with like a puddle of chocolatey, caramelly water. Ugh. Gross. It was so terrible. My kids, when they do like snow cone, because we have like a little shaved ice, like snow cone machine. Oh, cool. Thing. Yeah. So they make that kind of stuff on a regular basis. They put the weirdest stuff in there. Oh. But they're just, ex- you know, like what? experimenting. Oh, I mean, some of it's not so bad. Like, you know, like orange juice, huh. or like soda. and Does that like, not like clog up the machine? No, you like shave the ice and then it's sort of like a snow cone. So you like pour oh, on, you put it on, pour top. on the stuff after. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. I see. Okay. But certain things they try, like, you know, chocolate syrup and stuff like that. And it's just like, it doesn't no, work well. It needs to be absorbent. Yeah. 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 Okay. But, you know, anything like a, anything syrupy will work well because that's like what you put on snow cones, right? Yeah. It can't go all the way through it. Yeah. But it needs to permeate a little bit. Yeah. I tell you what, <clears throat> my kids did recently. They took Fresca. And they poured it into an ice cube tray and froze them. Mm. And they shaved that. Oh. So it was like a fresco <gasps> snow cone. Have you ever had fresca and orange juice? Uh, it's magnificent. I can see it going It's fantastic. Well oh, fresca is amazing. It's I just like fresco. add fresca to anything. It makes it better. I agree. I'm all in on fresco. Fantastic. Yeah. Fresca and grape nuts. Give it to me. Oh, God. You had to ruin it. <laughs> not together. Not, to, not, oh. not combined. Fun That's, fact, I grabbed the Fresca to have with my lunch today, and I ate my whole lunch, and I hadn't opened the Fresca, and I was like, I guess I'll save this for later. I don't want to just drink an entire Fresca alone. I want it, like, with food. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, um, that was pretty much it. You know, uh, I got to okay. stay inside. Um, Shannon, of course, moved on to a different theater project, so she's at rehearsals again. So she, the Already? person- Already? Like, no rest uh, for the weary, day. She's having a rough week, man. Wow. She's just, she, she, you know, had this- cabaret in mind like okay fine i'm gonna have you know a chance to chill but then she's not she's got another thing planned Mm. it's just it's been a lot so her Mm. disney trip will we'll chill there maybe kind of not a lot have you you've been to disney you know there's no chill in disney i know she's just she's a tired (laughs) lady she's a tired lady right now so i'm just i'm doing my best to support her and just trying to help her remember like hey no matter what after rehearsals you and i are gonna chill we're going to have some snacks. We're going to watch Community. You're going to snuggle with some puppies. Nice. And that's going to just need to be enough right now, yep. you know, because yep. it's what we got. So, yep. Hey, well, you know, you're earning your part of the Disney trip by supporting her oh, God. post-rehearsals, right? That's part of it. It's something. It's something. But yep. at least I don't bring my work home with me at all. Like, I, I am 100% there for her. So mm-hmm. I, I'm fortunate that, you know, the tribulations of my professional life don't, you know, extend to the home at all. So, <laughs> well, it's good. I'm glad. Yeah. Glad to hear that for many reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I'm firing up my phone. I normally try to keep it off, but I have some pictures I might want to show you oh. as I talk about some stuff. Okay. Um, Did you get so, any new toys? No. No? Did you no. make any new toys? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, but if you remember last week, it was starting to rain. Like we were starting to get some pretty torrential. Oh, it was pouring. Storms and stuff as we were recording. Oh, and then yeah. we left here and it was like super rainy. And it just dumped and dumped and dumped and dumped. It did. Um, folks further north got a ton of snow. We just got cold rain. We got so much rain um, that I have a creek update. <gasps> um, and Do you have a pond now against your will? I... <laughs> <clears throat> I have to show pictures because I can't even express how much water was coming into this stupid little creek. Keep in mind, towards the end of the summer, this creek was completely dry. It was There was no water flowing through it. Um, but this thing went torrential. It's going to be twice the size now. Like yeah. your, your ditch anyway. Well, so that's the thing is... Um, so this was like Tuesday night, I guess, because we were all Tuesday and then like into Tuesday night. And I actually went out like in the dark with a flashlight on Tuesday night because that was like, as the rain was kind of trailing off then, I was like, the water's gonna be flowing harder now and then it's gonna start to dissipate, you know, once the rain stops. What were you looking to see? Uh, well, first I wanted to see how my like creek, like or, like the crossings that I'd built, like with the culvert and stuff over the creek. I well, thought you took all that out. I took one of them out. I have two different crossings. Oh, oh. Um, but it was completely insane. Like the some of the bridges that I had across various points, just like little walking bridges, the water was so high it actually was over the bridge, and like but the bridge was still stuff. there. The bridge was still there. Okay, so it didn't get washed away. That's something. Because again, this is just a little. It's a little creek, like it's a runoff from like the neighborhood pond that's there. Um, but I'm trying to show you some of the pictures of what happened because it's kind of ridiculous. And we'll put these pictures uh, up here as well, um, so y'all can see what's going on. But uh, yeah, so like here's, there's where I used to have that crossing. Oh. And like it just completely covered the culvert, like what used to be the former culvert pipe. Oh my God. Which is now not even a pipe there. Like water was just completely flowing wow. the entire thing. And then on the back part that was like further down, it completely just washed out. Um, you know, like the water was over top of my culvert pipe and it was flowing. Oh, I see the pipe. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a pipe. It's com the pipe is completely buried. This is an 18 inch pipe. Oh my God. Completely buried. And then it just went over and just flowed over top of my entire. It's still doing its job like, though. little road. Kind of. The water's pouring out of there, but I mean, it was just dumping. Wow. I mean, it was literally like a flood. Like it just flooded out and it just washed the away yeah, like so half the, water's... the road that I had oh, done there. Oh man. Like there's, that's normally never, water never crosses that. If that pipe was twice the size, that still wouldn't have helped. Yeah. It was just like, this was like a historic kind of a amount of water. I mean, we had all kinds of like flash flood warnings and all this kind of stuff. We did. So and they they they, yeah. they did school delays, you know. They did, yeah. They canceled but, school the next day because yet, there was so much. But yet water. it snowed yesterday, and you know, school was just delayed today. So yeah, so uh, weather's weird. Um, but you yeah, know what? We, I love I love that though. Like I was mm. thinking today, just being out there with the, the snow around me and some rain on my head, mm. I feel. Just I I am so overjoyed just being in active weather, hmm. and because it makes me feel this is gonna sound cheesy, but it makes me feel like I'm a part of something alive. Hmm. Like when you're just out there in nature and it's not doing anything, it's just air. 
then you just go about your life. You're just kind of like, oh, ho-hum. But then when it's doing stuff, mm. it reminds you that like you are just, you're just a part of this. You are yeah. just a tiny little part of this. You are just, nature is just going to, is happening around you. And yeah. re- being reminded of that when it's in your face, on you, yeah. around you, it's it's humbling and beautiful because you realize that this is there's something just so much bigger and more powerful than you can possibly comprehend. No matter what yeah. we do, no matter what we build, we are still nothing yes. compared to that. And that's, that's literally why I'm bringing this up because I've been talking about like I bought some waders and I was clearing out the creek and all the sand and stuff like that. Literally all of that was just, as I was like watching this happen, I was like, wow, none of that matters now because literally all of the work that I just did was undone. And now there's a whole lot more work that, you know. So now I'm like, well, I had that culvert pipe there, but it's like, I've had it there for a year and it's been fine. And then we had this super heavy rain and now it just washed out everything. And I'm like, apparently is an insufficient solution. So I need to sort of rethink that whole situation now. And I'm just like, very humbled by that, you know, and granted, this is like not at all crucial infrastructure kind of stuff. I would have obviously researched and taken this more seriously had it been anything more than just like a drainage ditch, basically. But even still with a little drainage ditch, it was so humbling just to see like all the work I put in and the time I spent out there and just sitting there watching it get flooded. I'm like, wow, I am insignificant. Yeah, in the but world. there's something beautiful in that. <laughs> Compared to like, nature. It's the same thing as being humbled by the, like the vastness of space or something like that. But that like being yeah. completely pwned by nature is yeah. a tradition going back to the dawn of humanity. Yeah. You know, absolutely. We have, and, and there are there are civilizations that deal with this every day waking oh, yeah. up. They absolutely. have to go and fix the thing that broke overnight, you know. Yep. It is it is a great unifier. Like the the battle against sure. nature and mm-hmm. or the, just like trying to just keep our crap standing against the forces of the earth is just a time-honored tradition and sometimes a feutile one. It's a part but of life. Part it of is existence. It, it, it's a great unifier because we all Yes. We all struggle against that, and yes. we will all continue to struggle against that until the earth implodes. Yes. Snow, I think, is just one of those that's the most like that, like shoveling snow. Yeah. You're like, this is the most futile activity I could do because literally I'm going to show, especially around here where we are, our snow doesn't stick around that long. So we get like three or four inches, like everybody's slipping and sliding all over the place. Nobody knows how to drive in snow around here. And so you'll get that, and you'll be like shoveling snow, and you're like, you it's so much work and you get so tired and then you're just like i'm literally just moving something that's going to melt and then not be here in a day or two and it won't even matter that i ever did this yeah it's like such such a like existential experience but it's very humbling in that way and i appreciate that about it is it. it is yeah um so all that happened last week it was kind of dramatic now all of my creek and all that kind of stuff is as much as it was kind of a mess in process before now it's a total mess like natural disaster type mess and i'm just like i need to just take a beat and think about what i want to do with it here's the thing though i I know you will come back with a vengeance i will and it will be something but it's not like oh no screw nature i'm gonna fight it i'm like no i want to work with nature yeah but but you're but this is a (laughs) learning like you are hungry for criticism and learning opportunities because yeah. it, it, it levels you up. Yeah. And you view things yeah. like this as like a, okay, I have new information now. Yeah. What can I do with this? Yes. You know, and but, ult- ultimately you're going to end up with something that you're proud of, that more you're more proud of. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just going to have to be different than what it was before. But, but yeah, do, do take your beat. Do take but your beat. thing is, like, it could go another decade and not get that much rain. Like, it was that much rain that we got. But whatever. Anyway, I'll figure it out. You could go another decade <laughs> and, you know, never need uh, cybersecurity liability either. But you know what? <sighs> Man, you're just pouring it on, Drew. Wow. Yeah. But better to have it, right? Yeah. Better yep. to go overboard now than... To be crushed under... It's definitely better to learn from your mistakes. The sooner, the better. Um, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. I'm glad that I filled in that log grave because if we had had that much rain, oh, my gosh, it would have flooded the whole yard. It would have been a disaster because that thing flooded with, like, a couple hours of rain. Oh, you are talking previously. about the pit. Yeah, the big pit oh, so that I like... just filled in. I'm glad I had filled it in. Oh, yes, yes. Because all of this rain that we got would have been on top. It would have been a, such a mess. So at least that is... I mean, it's still a mess because it's so muddy. I can't even, like finished off the top of it so i have this like construction site mud pit thing going on in the backyard <laughs> I'm just imagining brian why is why do we have a pond well honey i dug a hole that i meant to put some that, logs that I in put bury my logs in <laughs> but I log grave 2.0 but i didn't put logs in it quick enough i didn't put it in quick enough so it filled with water i mean no, that I did happen so i had that conversation with her and then it was like, okay, but honey, but it didn't, it didn't I finish up dinner. Okay, honey, I got to go out and siphon the swimming pool out of the log grave. And she's like, what are you even talking about? I'm like, just don't worry about it. I'm just going to be outside for a little bit in the dark. But the, and I need all my garden hoses. The image to of you looking at a completely flooded yard because you dug a log hole. Yep. <laughs> I'm glad it didn't happen. I have to laugh I don't, at myself. I don't want that for you. But yeah. all of this has happened because of the myself. Imagery. I caused all of this. No one has to cross this creek. I'm the only one who goes back there. So, you know, it's well, the, all just the, my the, fault. The culvert was there. No, I put that there. Wait, the, the ditch? Well, the ditch was there. That's what I meant. Sorry. Yeah. The ditch was already there. So Yeah, like, but and, nobody ever crossed it until I came along. So if you, like, if, you hadn't, if, you hadn't, if you hadn't put that pipe there, yeah. would it have still... It would just been a creek. Oh. It would just been a very full creek. Oh. And then life would have gone on. <laughs> but no, because I put a bunch of crap in the way of the creek, you know, that normally is flows through fine, but then didn't. Now all the, all the crap I put there is all messed up now. I love that so much. So in a way it's kind of reassuring because it's like, well, you know, when I die or whatever, we move or what, you know, whatever happens, nature's going to take this thing back real quick <sighs> and it'll be like nothing ever happened. And like watching my trails, now that I've had my trails for a couple of years, you know, of course, like we had high winds with the rain and stuff too. There's like a couple of trees. Yeah, there's some like, you know, 16 inch trees that literally just like snapped at the base and are now like across the trail. And I'm like, cool, get to go cut that down. So I'm like, literally, if I don't maintain these things, it'll be like a year and it'll be like it never happened. So Brian, I'm like, that way I'm like, okay, I'm not screwing anything up too bad because nature's gonna take it back. You've heard of the Colossus of Rhodes, right? The Colossus of Rhodes. It no. was it was a one of the original seven wonders of the world. It was in uh, Rhodes, Greece. Uh, okay. It straddled the shipping port. It was a massive statue of a of a Greek warrior of some okay. kind, and um, yeah, it's gone. Like no one knows. It's just it doesn't exist anymore. I got destroyed by an in invading force of some kind at some oh. point. And it's just gone. Yeah, no more. Um, Colossus of Rhodes. Wow. You know, it was magnificent. Yeah, gigantic. One probably one of the biggest, probably the biggest statue made at the time, but it's gone. Yeah. So at your culvert, the Colossus of Rhodes. Yeah. Pretty much the same thing. But you know, whether you're a culvert or a Colossus, 
nature nature takes will always win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nature will always win. Um, so I also attended a concert this weekend Hey-o. myself. I mentioned a while ago, probably like two months ago, uh, about Eight Bit Big Band. You saw them? I saw them. Because I listened to them after you told me about them. Yeah. I, I put them on Spotify. They're pretty cool. I have been listening to them a lot. They're really good. Were they in Richmond? So they came to uh, Christopher Newport, which is in Newport News. Oh, yeah. So it's like maybe an hour 20 drive from where we are here in Richmond. So literally, I was like, this was, this was you know, pre-Thanksgiving. And I was like, you know, I would love to see a baby. Because I was, really what it was is I, wanna, I wanted to take my kids to a concert, like a music concert. Um, and we don't have a good concert venue here in Richmond anymore. Because like the Richmond Coliseum, which is where they used to have some, is super old. And they shut it down because it's falling apart. But there's really no decent venue for bands to come and play. So I really want to take my kids to see Trans-Siberian Orchestra because they put on a heck of a show. Oh, yeah. My kids love rock music, and that's like a good, nice family kind of show you can go to. But they just don't have anything anywhere near That's a heck here, of a production, really. too. And it's always like in the middle of Christmas season on like a Thursday night, and it's like between driving and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, it's just the last several years I've wanted to take them, haven't been able to do it. So I was like thinking about this 8-bit big band, and I was like, my kids love video games. Oh, yeah. And I've recently been playing the tenor sax again. So I've been all into big band and jazz and stuff like that. And I was like, it's like the merging of those two worlds. But I was like, let me just see if they're going on tour anytime, anywhere that makes sense. And then boom, Virginia. They literally had three tour locations, Boston, New York. This was like in December. And then Newport News, January. I was like, why are they coming here? Are they based on the East Coast? I think they're based out of New York City. Wow. And I was like, I mean, this is like a 30 to 65 piece orchestra. Like it's a, it's a quite a bit of people to coordinate. And Maybe I was it was like, like a last minute thing and they could only put together. Well, that's so awesome. They, so, they, they, if you go on their website now, still, it just has those three dates and wow. it's like more tour dates coming. So I don't know how it happened, but I was just like, Rachel, I was like, this may never happen again. Like I was thinking like we might have to go up to New York to see them. That was originally what I was looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I saw they had this location in Virginia and I was like, well, this has to happen. Did they love it? They loved it. Oh, my God. They loved it. It was so great. The energy was so good. It was tons of so like. I'm sure Joseph probably recommend, recognized more games, right? I mean, both of them. They yeah? both are pretty into it. Yeah. Did, I mean, did, did, did they do some modern stuff for them? Yeah, they did a bunch of modern stuff. I know stuff. on Spotify, a lot of their stuff was kind of retro. Oh, they have a lot of modern stuff. But like their again, new they... album has a lot of modern yeah. stuff. Oh, cool. Yeah, Persona Five and Portal and stuff like that. Okay. Like Final Fantasy, they do all kinds of stuff. Nice. But they got I... plenty of you know Mario and Sonic and stuff like that too. Very cool. You know, Ducktales. Well, did they play any of your favorites? Uh, they did Bob on Battlefield. Is that from uh, Mario sixty four? Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah, that's a good one. So good. I love that one. They did that. They did a bunch of them. That you know, it was a lot from their fourth album because they have four albums out now. Um, yeah, they did. They did a lot of really nice. good ones. But honestly, they could play anything. And so just, you would, you would see them again? Oh yeah, hundred percent. If it ever made sense, I would nice. see them as many times. Do you I think? Do you could. think Rachel would have liked it? Oh yeah, she did like oh, it. She, she went. She went? Oh, yeah, we went cool. as a family. Oh wow, okay. But that was like kind of borderline because she was not feeling super. Great. I just assumed she didn't go. No, oh, we, wow. we bought the tickets and all that kind of stuff, and Very it was cool. like okay, right. and it's you know involves going places and doing stuff, so. It was never a sure bet, but and even leading up to it is like she was not feeling great day of. And I was even just like, you know what? Okay, honey, don't worry about it. Like take a nap in the afternoon, you know, try taking some medicine or whatever. I won't get into the details, but I was like, if you're not feeling up to it, I'll take the kids. It'll be fine. We'll still have a good time. But if you are up to it, I know it'd be memorable. And it was like 
basically on the bubble right up until we needed to leave. Probably much. good that she got a concert under her belt before you guys went to another one. Yeah. Like a little, you know, primer. Yeah. And she was like, you know, she wouldn't have gone on her own, but to be there with the kids. And this was like the, first, the kids' first like actual concert. Yeah. More than like just, you know, just whatever. Yeah, they really haven't been to much anything live. I can't imagine Archer ever wanting to go see a concert. Like, he's gone to musicals. Um, like, we went to see Frozen over here. And, yeah, uh, But okay. as far as, like, a band, like, we, we went to see his friend Sal, who does, uh, he has he does guitar lessons. You know, and they, okay. his guitar school put on a concert. And he was in there the whole time just mm. plugging his ears, miserable. Mm. Like, why do, why do people do this? Like, this is too loud. Why? Yeah. We were in the parking lot, and he's like, this is going to be too loud. I don't want to go in there. I mean, if it's like a rock concert, yeah, yeah. Which so, you know, I would I would bring like hearing protection for my kids at least. Like, I don't like going to like re- real rock concerts. Like, I wear earplugs because yeah. like I'm not trying to destroy my hearing. I mean, know? I don't think you will at this point. Like, I think that's kind of like a prolonged exposure sort of thing. I mean, it doesn't get better. Like, no, no, you're listening right. To super loud music doesn't ever help your hearing. No, no, no. But you know? I think one concert, <laughs> I don't think it's going to do any lasting. Probably damage. not. But you know, over time, you know. I have a subwoofer in my car and I listen to music probably louder than I should. Oh, on not okay. a regular basis. Oh, so, so you're trying to like minimize to the damage it, you know, you've already just, probably done yeah, to yourself. Yeah. yeah. And, control, <laughs> and when I'm in a controlled setting, yeah. Um, but the kids had a great time. That's fantastic. Even just like as we were in the lobby, like before we went and sat down, they had a pianist who was playing and it was like some Zelda song or something like that. And Joseph was like, is that Zelda? And just like the smile on his face and stuff. It was really cool. The kids had a great time and Rachel was able to go and we got, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they were like strict, no pictures, no video kind of stuff. So I couldn't actually record anything. And I wanted to respect that too. Yeah, of course. But it was kind of neat. I think like the, I don't know all the details of how they made this thing happen, but it wasn't, I don't think it was like, their normal full band. It was like, there was like the professor from CNU did a solo and there was a lot of like local people that they used to kind of supplement the band. So I think that's part of how they were able to do that. Mm. But it seemed like it was something kind of coordinated through the school and there was like some like honor band competition or something at the college too. So there were a ton of like honor, like band students and stuff that were there. That's a smart way to go about it. Yeah. So like the enthusiasm of the crowd and it was in like a theater. So, you know, it was, it was not like a rock band type thing. Like we were sitting down in seats and all that. So it was, that's my much jam. more much more chill setting, a hundred percent. But when we go see, they we're, were gonna, so we're gonna go see Sammy Hagar in July, I think, and I really hope I get to sit down. Oh yeah, I mean, I love I love Van Halen, but yeah, I mean, they literally have a I'm, song called Jump, so I don't know. I'm, I want to I want to sit. Down is, yeah. Might as well sit. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, they're at the age where they should be sitting down more too. Um, but well, yeah, yeah, this is just Sammy Hagar and Michael <laughs> Anthony, but they'll gotcha. be playing mostly Van Halen. I nice. Assume. So yeah, so that was awesome. Big fan of a big big band. They actually have some of their scores that they put on their website. You can actually go to their website and listen to all their stuff. I mean, they have it on like Spotify and Apple Music or whatever. Um, but if you are a fan of jazz music or video games, listen to them because their stuff is phenomenal. Um, and then so we did that. That was on Saturday. So all the whole day leading up to it, it was like cleaning the house, doing chores, all that kind of stuff. Rachel was not feeling well, so I was trying to do everything for her. Uh, then we drove there, came back. We got back at like 1130 at night, woke up, and then we drove up to Northern Virginia to see Rachel's family because they were all sick around Christmas time. So we had the, okay, well, we'll do it this weekend instead kind of a thing because we had the holiday. So did that. So drove a whole bunch to the concert, came back, woke up, drove up there, <laughs> got some snow, drove back in the snow. And then, uh, yeah, so it was great. I mean, we just got to visit and all that kind of stuff. But I will say my brother-in-law got an Xbox Series X. 
and had Forza Horizon 5 on that thing. And again, I've not played a modern video game, really. So you were like, this is real life. Yeah, he, he had told me because he was in the same boat. He had an Xbox 360 that he had gotten like right after college or something. And then he like just got this because he's got two young kids. And he's like, I never have time to play this. But he got some like killer deal. He bought it like Christmas Eve. He got this like basically got everything half off. And so he got the killer deal. So he got it. And oh my gosh, that game is unfreaking believable. Yeah, like driving simulators now, just like <sighs> don't, they don't even look like games. Yeah, it's crazy. Like I, I've seen videos that I thought were just like a car. I'm like, oh no, that's a video game. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, and I had to play games every day and I'm yet driving games for, they've just, they've got them figured out. Like there's, yeah. there's no, I mean, granted, I said the same thing about Gran Turismo 1, but. <laughs> they're on like seven now or something like that. But yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's just, they're, they're photorealistic now. It's, it's wild. pretty wild. Yeah. So yeah, Joseph played it and fell in love with it. And I'm like, crap, are we freaking going yes! to get excited about another system? Yes. So I was like halfway going there knowing like, okay, I'm going to play this game. Because I haven't even seen a demo of this. Like none of the game stores I've been to have had Xboxes set up. They have PS5s and Switches, but I've not seen an Xbox X Because they're not demo. as good as PlayStation. I'm not going to even have that battle because I couldn't tell you. No, they, they, there's probably, there are fewer exclusive titles for the xbox yeah but i think that uh forza is a big forza is a big one yeah it's a big one and i have like i have forza three and four for the xbox 360 which is really old now um but anyway so it was really cool but here's the thing drew with video games now they're too complicated like even just getting a set up i'm like okay so i buy this thing like what comes with it what do i need okay next but i can't play more than one player but wait to play this game you have to have a Microsoft account, like an Xbox account or whatever. So, and it's like, you can buy that. So there's like the downloadable only version of the Xbox, but then there's, I guess the PS5 is the same way. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, well, what's the difference then? And how much memory do I need? And they, you know, and so it's like, I'm having to research all this crap and I'm like, I don't want to do work. The I don't want to do work the, the, the to three, recreate. The 360 had the same thing with the hard drive. You had, you had multiple options with that. I don't remember. That was so long ago. Yeah, it had it had a uh, hard drive that kind of like unclipped and clipped onto the side of it. You don't oh, remember I don't that thing? Any, no, I don't have any of that. I oh. just had the built-in whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. but And now it's like even if you get the disc version, it can't fit the whole thing on the disc. So you got to download stuff anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, well, how much are you really owning anyway? Because then, you know, I don't know. There's a whole debate of like downloading versus some, some And games, then there's Game Pass, which is this other thing that you can subscribe to. And I'm yeah. like, what is that all about? Some games have the full game on the <laughs> disc. You just download stuff to make things go faster yeah but then some games don't have the full game on the disc right so you, you really there's no way to know and then you're like what am i even yeah, yeah so yeah so i'm trying to figure out so and we also so there's joseph, probably a way to know i don't know but joseph has a steam deck too so i was like oh there's also forza on the steam deck but it's like the pc version that you can play on the steam deck and i'm like well it says playable but it's not like steam deck verified so i'm like what kind of bugs am i going to be into with that and you still have to have an xbox account <clears throat> to be able to play it. And I'm just like, uh, I just want to like fire up a game and drive a stupid car around. But this is like so much work to have to do all this. And so I'm just like, it killed my excitement for it. I don't even know if I'm going to keep looking into it because I'm just, this is just, I just don't like it. So I don't, don't like having to work this hard to yeah. play a video game. And then I was looking at other games and it's like, I don't like shooter games. I don't yeah. like sports games. I don't like RPGs. So I'm like, I'm looking at other Xbox titles and I'm like, there's nothing else. There's like Forza and that's it, which is cool. But it's like really expensive just to get one Forza game. So I'm like, maybe I'll get it for the Steam Deck. And then I'm like, 
uh, then I'm going to run into compatibility things and bugs and all this weird stuff. And I'm like, screw it. I'm just not going to play video games. I'm going to go in the woods and dig another log grave. I mean, that's probably where you'd end up even if you did buy one. Yeah. Like, I would just play one game probably. Go with your gut. But then I'm like, okay, well, I already have an Xbox 360 and I can just play Forza 4 and still enjoy it and I already have it. And you can still scratch that itch. Yep. So, I don't know. It's different, different age, Drew, as we're rounding 40 here. I'm like... I just, video games feel more like work than they do like fun. <laughs> just Not for me. Kind of weird. It is the most relaxing part of my day. <sighs> I probably just, I don't do it enough yeah. to like overcome the logistical hurdles around it. And this, honestly, it would probably take me like an hour to figure all this out. But it just. There are some crazy VR racing games. These I know. Days. It's all crazy. Yeah. But I can't like, and then there's people get like pedals and yeah. steering wheels and all this kind of stuff. And there's Massive all these displays. And I'm just like, Okay. I just, I missed it. I'm, I'm too old to have like grown up with that. Like I was a little bit ahead of that. So I grew up with like need for speed and all that kind of stuff. And it was like fun and kind of goofy. But then all this other stuff came along and I'm like, I had a family and started a business too early to be able to enjoy that type of stuff and spend the time doing it. Like online, online video game play. Never. I've never done it. Have no interest. I have no interest, but it's like, yeah. It's definitely a thing. Yeah, I know it's yeah. huge. I, I don't. I've, I I play video games to relax and escape, and yeah. the online thing is doesn't allow me to do that. But I get it. I mean, I get why people do it, and a lot of people, you know, watching probably do too. But I don't know. I'm just complaining and being a curmudgeon. <laughs> <sighs> I just have too many other things that I'm like. I do woodworking. I do stuff yeah, outside. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you kids, missed anything. Have... You just like chose different <sighs> hobbies. It's just like the the. Um, you know, it's like when you have a, a interest you're looking into, at some point you reach and you're like, I can't. Like, oh yeah, like me and painting I can't Nerf go guns. Any further. Yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, yeah. Oh, this sounds thought, cool. Oh wait, no, yeah. it doesn't. I thought I would get further into. This sounds scary. I thought I would get further into this one, but like, I just like, at the starting line, I was just like, I'm out. Great, this is crazy. That's a that's a <laughs> that's great. That so it's, we'll it's better to find out at the beginning than find out yeah. after you make an investment of some kind. Well, what I'm going to do is if Joseph really wants it, I'm going to put all the onus on him and be like, you need to figure all this out because I don't want to do any of it. So you need to figure out all the setup and all the everything. Yeah. And then maybe we'll consider it. I'm not figuring this out for you. No. He's turning 14. He should be able to figure that out by this. Absolutely. So we'll see where that goes. Yesterday, I was about to, we had a bucket of cheese balls that we got from my white elephant gift exchange. You know, someone brought some cheese balls and some lotto tickets and Someone okay. got the lotto tickets. My aunt Lori was like, you can have the cheese balls. I just want the lotto tickets. So Archer was like, yeah, cheese balls. So All right. we've had that thing sitting on the counter since Christmas. Okay. And there was like a handful of cheese balls in there. So I said, Archer, eat these cheese balls. I want to throw away this stupid jug. Yes, the giant cheese ball container. It's like a barrel. Yeah. And he's like, no, we can recycle that. I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess we could. So I go to, you know, I'm going to think about wiping it out to recycle it. It's like, no, no, I want to keep it like that kind of recycle. I want to make it into a helmet. And he specifically said the Flame Breaker helmet from Zelda. Okay. So he wants to reuse it, not yes. recycle it. Yeah. So Reduce, like, Archer, reuse, recycle. Archer, Archer, come on, man. The whole, reason I, I just, the whole reason we're even talking about this is because I want it gone. Yeah. And he's like, no, I want to keep it. Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, you are cleaning this thing out. It is full of orange, oily yep. nothing. And, if you, and he did. Yeah. I thought that that would stop him, but no, he cleaned it out. Good. Thoroughly. And now it's over in the corner yep. where we also have these shoe boxes that he wants to keep for craft reasons. Yep. And we the well, the barrel of cheese balls is still in the house. Yep. Now he's going to build it into something and it's going to be sentimental and you're never going to get rid of it. 
Why do you say that? Don't put that evil out into the world. (laughs) I know this because I have that times two happening in my house. I know you do. Every room is getting taken over, and I'm like, this is is getting out of control. I need to just throw this stuff out when they're not looking. (sighs) But they remember too much now. (laughs) I can't can't really pull that anymore. (laughs) I love love it when you complain about how smart your kids are as though it's a bad thing because you can't (laughs) trick them. Can't Ellie especially is like I can't lie to her anymore because she's too smart. She's too smart. She figures crap play. out. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's really true. Uh, <sighs> but anyway, so we got back after this quick trip up, and then we get back after I dealt with, Rachel still wasn't feeling great, so like I did all the driving and everything. Like we haven't even unpacked the car yet, and the kids want to play out in the snow, and they're not like little kids, so I can be like, Nah, you go play in the snow. I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, that's acceptable <clears throat> at this point. But Joseph, of course, didn't want to go outside. Ellie did, but she's like heartbroken. So I'm like, okay, I'll go outside and play in the snow with you, even though I haven't even unpacked the car you're from good, the last you're trip. You're a good dad. There are I try so, to have a good attitude about There it. are many, many dads that wouldn't even think about it. The fact that you even considered playing with them rather than unpacking yeah. and doing you know, yeah. stuff like that, that, that says a lot about you. Well, they still like aren't repulsed by my presence. So that may not last forever because teenage years are coming. Yeah. Um, the fact that you're thinking about that yeah. also says a lot. It was kind of fun. Good, you know, we, you. Ended up, we ended up getting like three inches up where we were. Oh, I wow. don't think we even got that much here at the office. I think it was I, very like localized. Yeah, I think snow that we got this my time. house probably got about an inch. Yeah, we got like a solid three inches. So it was like a meaningful enough amount of snow and at least like make some snowballs. And yeah, we could make some snowballs. Maybe we got two inches. Okay. Yeah, so we did that. We basically made snowballs and I threw it at the side of the shed. So that, because it was like kind of a, it wasn't super wet snow, but it was No, like, it was very packable. It was very powdery, but yeah. kind of packable. So like, I basically was like, I don't really know what we can do with this. We can't really make a snowman. It's not enough snow to like do a snow angels or whatever. Kids couldn't really sled. Not you can th- chuck it though. Yeah. So we chucked snowballs. It was, it was yeetable. Yep. Ellie and I went for a walk on the trails and saw the d- destruction that had happened and trees that are down. And I'm like, okay, I need to fix all this now. Um, but it was fun. You know, just like walking around with my daughter in the snow and it was kind of fun. That's so, awesome. Just making memories with the kids. And of course, none of their snow clothes fit. So that's a whole thing. But we don't really get much snow usually. So it's like, am I buying more stuff for these kids? And my snow pants don't fit quite as well because I'm growing. I'm a growing boy as well. You know, I came across despite my best efforts. I came across a pair of kids' snow boots that are extendable. Interesting. Yeah. It's like one company that makes them and they actually can That's cool. Extend so that for parents that have Kids whose okay. feet grow year to year, and yes. you snow boots get used like a thing. twice a year. Oh yeah, because um, we haven't had any snow like the past yeah. two years. I think they might still. I think it might still be like in Kickstarter or something like that. But I was like, that's a good idea. Okay, I'm, I, you know, yeah, I'm not gonna buy them, but yeah, I ended up giving my snow boots to Joseph. He wore those, and I just wore a pair of like work boots that I yeah. had. They we got Archer well pair of those like duck boots, you know, the rubber bottom leather yeah. uppers, you know, and because yeah. those can be rain or snow. Yeah, that works. Yeah, you just need waterproof, really. Yeah, yeah. I thought about wearing my waders. I was like, well, that would work for snow. Get your money's worth. Not the warmest, but you could layer up underneath. It's a built-in sled. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Go walk into the creek if I want to. <laughs> anyway, so that's uh, that's what I've been up to the last week. Fun. Lots of activity. Lots of family things. It's been fun. Uh, okay. So that's it for what's happening. we got one company update, and then we'll wrap it all up. Okay. Company updates. We're finally not having a holiday for a couple of weeks here. 
Man, I got Until used we to, get to Valentine's working on Monday. Yeah, I think President's Day is the next one coming up on the February 19th or something. So we'll be here for a little while, open. Uh, but we have a video this week on Ink Features featuring this guy over here. So yeah, that should be fun. Go check that out if you haven't already. It's a fun one. Yeah. Some 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 goofy editing, but it's entertaining. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, that's pretty much it. Stuff going on with the company right now. You know what? I'm going to admit to some serious fault in that video, Brian. Really? Yeah. Just oh. don't tell my boss. Okay. Um, the whole point of coming up with this video was that I, so that I could showcase ink that does cool and unique things mm-hmm. like dual shading ink. Sure. Waterproof, scented, shimmer sheen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, infinity ink. Completely forgot about the fact that Monteverde has color changing ink. Oh. Didn't say one word about it potentially one of the most unique features of yeah. any fountain pen ink ever and i just did not say anything whoops about it. it's because it's just it's like it just came out it's new still like yeah. that would be a great place to talk about it that's all right i even asked customer care because adrian and i realized it together oh and she's like oh my god you probably asked our team like three times and we didn't none of us said anything and just no like completely flew under our radar it happens sometimes yeah unbelievable I, mean, I blame I, you know what I blame you for like kind of letting me kind of go on my own for with that for not watchdogging you mm-hmm. as you prepare these videos. Yeah, I think you're at well, fault. I that's think fair. You're at fault here. Yeah, <laughs> I was too busy uh, not preparing my own my own video on the pilot custom nibs or the. I've the, had like two two the, cycles of recording now where I've like gone to do a video and I'm like ah this is too much I can't I can't do this one I'll do three. it in the next round. You've got three. Yeah, from three different. We'll get there. Segments. We'll get there. We'll see. Wonder which of those three I'll kick off this time because that's <laughs> as the pattern repeats. It's fine. Well, you get it's into fine. it and you 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 want to get. I want to cover deep. it thoroughly, and pe- people appreciate that. I guess I don't know. I think I care too much. Ah. I should just care less, and then I could make more. Nah, videos. you couldn't do that if you tried. <laughs> I used to back before I knew anything. Like back in the day, I used to make videos and be like, "Well, I don't really know, but well, it was this still, is good enough. It was still your best, and your best has changed. Yes, I know too much now. That's, that's it. The problem." The That's burden the of problem. knowledge. That's it. Yep. Anyway, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this video up. I want to thank you all for watching. Leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions because that is what keeps the world going round in the Pencast ecosphere, whatever. We ask questions on the community page of YouTube, Brian. Yeah. And I got 100 questions. 100 questions. More than 100 questions. You know, I thought about. Which is where all of the questions today came from, as a matter of fact. I did not know that. YouTube community. So if you wanted to answer, ask us some questions, in addition to pencast at goulaypens.com, you can just go to the YouTube community page on our channel because that post is still there and you can still ask stuff on it. All I need to do is just sort by new and I'll see what you're putting in this week. So please be our guest. I will keep drawing from it as long as there is entertaining stuff for me to draw upon. You know, I was thinking we should do like a blitz episode where we just take like, a ton of questions. Yeah, and just we can like do that. Rapid fire them. We can do that. Like no research. Just I tend go. to I tend to stockpile some like the kind of like really easy or silly questions, or like ones that we've like answered a bunch, or just ones that are like, hey, you know, what's your favorite blank? You know, so we can like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, we don't need to do that on a normal day, but like if I get enough, fun. if I get enough of them, yeah. I'll I'll clump them into a lightning I round. That. I yeah. could do a lightning round. That'd be fun. Um, anyway, check us out on all our social channels, and then uh, my fun fact. Um, 
it's not my most in, most in depth fun fact here, but um, I was just thinking about uh, Koji Kondo. So he is a renowned video game composer. Oh. So uh, if you're familiar with things such as Super Mario and Zelda. I've heard of these things, yes. He's the composer at Nintendo who basically came up with all that. So well, thank you. You know, he's like legendary within like the Nintendo <clears throat> and kind of video game world for being like really on the forefront of video game music composition. Has done all kinds of legendary songs that everybody recognizes. Um, but he was hired in 1984. I thought you'd find that fun. So he had like a music like composition degree um, and literally just like saw the the posting for Nintendo um, as like a, a like wanted ad kind of a thing um, and thought that would be fun. So um, so I a little blurb here from if you look up Koji Kondo on uh, Wikipedia here, that's where I pulled this from. Uh, so Kondo applied for a music composition and sound programming job at Nintendo, at Nintendo as a senior in 1984. He recalls, I found my way to Nintendo by looking at the school's job placement board. You're supposed to apply to many different companies, but I saw the Nintendo ad and had a love of making synthesizers and loved games and thought, that's the place for me. I interviewed with one company, Nintendo, and that's where I've been ever since. He's like 62 now. So not only is he legendary, but was just like, no, this, this is what I want to do. And he was like the first person at Nintendo that was ever like, had a music like background, like a, like studied music and then was doing music composition. Again, this is in 1984 um, and has done like all this legendary stuff ever since. So big inspiration, especially because I went to 8-Bit Big Band and they were talking about some of that kind of stuff. So I just thought that was kind of fun. Well, but. he is the reason I did not enjoy Zelda Breath of the Wild. Why? Yeah, because they didn't, didn't play like, the theme. They did like at the at end. At the very end in a very weak rendition. Uh, okay, I don't know. Uh-uh. I want that theme, and I want it several times. That's one of those themes that you could play in a sad version when something mm. sad is going to happen. You can play mm -hmm. it in a triumphant version with something awesome. You can you can rearrange it, and they just didn't. They didn't. I went the whole game waiting for when it was going to happen and having a little bit toward the end. Like, boo. The game is dead to me now. Wow. Not really. It's a fine game, but it didn't it you know, it didn't hook me. They could have they could have incorporated the music. Because that's a more. good theme, man. Oh it is a good so theme. good. I got the yeah. opportunity to see that uh in an orchestra um yeah. one year, 2014, 2013 sometime. Okay. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. Stunning. That's awesome. Very cool. Anyway, so music video game music composition is a whole thing. Like anything else. It's I listen to video game time. soundtracks more than anything else. That's like what Joseph listens to. Yeah. He has a we have a playlist on our shared like family music album. Thing. I have to listen to it on YouTube though with like ads. What? Because Spotify does not have original video game soundtracks on it. It depends on what franchise you're looking at. Most like, most of the time, like if I want to listen a lot to like of Sonic stuff can be original, but like none of the Nintendo. No, stuff is. I can't listen to yeah. Donkey Kong Country, which is the best video game soundtrack of all time. Fight me. Um, it's not on there. Okay, so I have to go to YouTube. Yeah, and I don't pay for YouTube, so. Oh, well, there you go. And you just listen to ads. Yeah. That's how it works. Or cool. just turn it off when an ad comes up. <laughs> well, you can do that too. Cool. Anyway, hope you all have a wonderful week. We'll catch you next time. And thanks for watching.